Duke Nukem's PR team is a little pissed about all the bad reviews it's been getting. Microsoft gives you another reason not to buy a Kinect, and new information on the Wii U shows that it's still underpowered as far as PC gamers are concerned. That plus more on today's MASHcast. I'm Jarrett, and I am here with the 1992 Air Guitar Champion, Rob Hill Williams. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's how we want it, just like that. And uh, also, I'm here with a newcomer to the show, and the secret love child of Jason Bourne and James Bond. Jason Bond. Hey, what's going on? So he doesn't sound weird at all, now does he? (laughs) <laughs> all right yes but this is uh mash cast number 10 the big one oh i can't believe uh, i can't believe we made it like guys or something. Mm, i know geez. actually <laughs> we're replacing this entire show with nothing but bloopers from previous shows <laughs> that would make a pretty good 10th show actually let's just call this now <laughs> <laughs> alright see you folks <laughs> alright let's go play some Team Fortress 2 alright yeah. <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah we're uh now we're uh two weeks out from E3 and not really getting that much E3 news anymore uh, thankfully cause cause E3 like... didn't have a lot of news yay <laughs> <laughs> yes yes this is very true so uh E3 was kind of uneventful but um we do have some things to talk about, so we're going to get into it, but we're going to do our normal thing here. Uh, Rob, tell us what you've been playing. Um, yeah, not much, really. Uh, just not a lot of things going on this week, so more past couple weeks, actually. So I've uh, played Akimi Village, which a review should be up pretty soon for. Um, in fact, probably by the time this is up, the review will be up, so never mind. And then uh, Alice Madness Returns, which I'm still very early in and can't even tell you how I feel about it. I don't think I've fought anything yet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. And Akimi Village, that's like uh, like Kingdom of Keflings but for PSN, right? That's what I keep hearing. <laughs> I've never played Kingdom of Keflings. So I have to just say, nod and smile when people say that. Um, I mean, it's made by the same producer or same developer, I'm sorry, not producer. But, uh, Ninja B and kind of deals with the same thing except that they I guess took the time to really make Akimi Village different than Kingdom of Kathlings. Um so as far as I know yeah pretty much uh, pretty much alike but uh, I guess there's some differences as well which I guess you'll find out when you read the review since I never played Kingdom of Kathlings. No. Well the only thing I really <laughs> care about is like kicking the little people like can you <laughs> kick the Akimis? Oh yeah you can kick them. You can, can kick make buildings apart. 
Yeah, okay, you, can yeah. kick the, you can kick buildings, you can kick, you can kick anything you can pick up, pretty much. Because what I used to do with, like, if I was on the phone with somebody and I kind of wanted to, like, do something, like, you know, that really didn't require a lot of thought, I would just, like, turn on, like, World of Kathlings or Kingdom of Kathlings and, like, ro- like walking around my kingdom kicking everybody. <laughs> or putting Such them in cameras. Yeah, that, that's how I roll. But uh, let's, um, Jason, why don't you tell us what you've been playing? Hey, uh, all the Battlefield 3 uh, gaming that's been going around lately that we've been seeing has got me a uh, little nostalgic feelings going on. So I've been uh, dusting off the old G3 and Barrett 50 Cal in Battlefield 2. Been playing that a little bit. Uh, I've been playing my Bad Company 2, and then I've been playing Ion because WoW sucks. Ooh, strong words. Strong words. Yes. I got I, bored. Well, <laughs> I mean, I played, <laughs> I, th- I played Aeon like, all the way through the beta. And even pre-ordered the game and then never played it, like, ever. Uh, the new patch came out not too long ago, which I did a little uh, tidbit on. And the new patch made it very, very nice. Graphics are top-notch. Uh, gameplay's not bad. There's so much customizability in it, which I think we're actually going to get to see in Guild Wars 2. So it's another reason why I'm going back to NCSoft's MMOs a little bit. Right, well, my list was a bit longer. Um I played Medal of Honor. Actually, I played and beat Medal of Honor, finally, um, which only had a little bit you know, ways to go, but it was hands down the best shooter out last year. I don't care how you feel about Call of Duty. I don't care how you feel about Battlefield. It was the best shooter that came out last year, period. Yeah, well, as I said, that you should go outside your house and pilot five planes yourself over the top of your house and raise the flag and stand outside for three hours saluting it because that's how fucking awesome that game makes you feel by the time you're done with it. Yeah. <laughs> how proud. <laughs> Seriously, and, like, by the time I reached the end of that game, like, and it's been a while since this has happened, when I got to the end of that game, I immediately wanted to play more. I'm like, I I cannot wait for the next Medal of Honor to come out. I'm actually more excited for the next Medal of Honor than I am Battlefield 3 after beating that game. I'd agree. I'd agree. Yeah. Because that, it was, that was intense. And, like, not manufactured intensity, but real, actual, like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Moments. Moments. Not moment. Not a moment. Moments. <laughs> a whole bunch of moments. Yeah. Not a whole lot of yelling like Call of Duty either. You know. No, not, not unless it was in the middle of a firefight, but yeah, not just, you know, crazy bravado, but just, yeah, the game was just something else, single player. Yeah, yeah it was really awesome. But uh, something that wasn't as awesome, well, not even close to being awesome as that was Homefront, and I, I finally played and beat that five-hour campaign. Um, you know, it's five hours back. <laughs> you know what? My, uh, I went in with low expectations anyway, so I didn't feel like bad. I didn't feel robbed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, once it was over, I'm like, okay, I guess, I guess that's that. So, uninstall. <laughs> you know, that's how that works. And that game just didn't, you know, like wind up to some great, awesome, epic conclusion. That game just ended. You're like, okay, we're at the bridge. What are we going to do on the other side of the bridge? Nothing. That's it. We're going to look at each other. (laughs) And they try to give you, like, that dramatic moment at the end. I'm like, I'm glad that it happened. That guy was an asshole. (laughs) You know, like, that, you know, they they, they tried to give you that one last push. Like, oh, my God, it was him. I can't believe that just happened. I'm like, well, 
great. That was a wonderful ending, if you ask me. Because <laughs> I got tired of that dude. But um, not to give away too much. But uh, actually, yeah, I if, think if you've even played a little bit, you probably know who you're talking about. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, other than that, of course, been playing StarCraft two, still playing LA Noir. Um, and you know what? You know what? I have I do have a complaint, a new complaint about LA Noir. Um, they one thing that they need, they should have improved in the game, or they need to put into the game is better direction in terms of what locations you're you're supposed to go to next, because you can't always follow the order from top to bottom. Because I was playing one case and I followed the order from top to bottom. Turns out I need to go somewhere first, but then because I went to this other location first, I totally I missed a bunch of clues. Yep, lacking evidence. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's strange because you really have to just kind of decide. Yeah, like, yeah. and I can see if there's something to tell you, like even a hint, like, even they give you a hint, like some type of hint, like you need to go here first. Like, no, the two options were presented, and that was that. You know what I'm saying? So I was, I was uh, that that upset me because I don't like replaying cases because it's not fun the second time around. I'm sorry. No, you're just going through it to get through it. Exactly. Correctly. Unless you're like an achievement whore, there's no fun there. Um, I mean, I guess the only thing I can see is that because it's you know supposed to be procedural, you know, or kind of like a look at procedural case, like casework, that sometimes that's what happens. You know, you go somewhere and you don't have all the evidence, so you still got to try and kind of make do. But it kind of sucks in that game because if you don't have evidence, like you can't, you really can't do anything, or you only have you're dealing with like a half deck. Exactly. So I wish they would improve that, Rockstar. Thanks. Um, been playing some Bad Company too. Uh, single player mostly, and um, yeah, single player Bad Company two smokes Call of Duty Black Ops, smokes Modern Warfare two. Sorry, it it does. Like even the single player, like that. Then that's a first. I mean, Battlefield is not known for its single player, but if you have Bad Company, I would definitely recommend playing the single player because it's awesome. It's got personality, that's why. Like, it, at least to me, that was the main reason. It's like, you know, like Modern Warfare, like, I liked, you know, well enough both of those. I mean, Black Ops, that's a totally different story. But Bad, Bad Company, like, surprised me because, like, it, you're, you're, doing, you're going places and you're doing real stuff, but it had actual personality to it. Like, everybody that you're with in your, in your group, you, you like all those guys because <laughs> they're just legitimately interesting. And just so I, that- Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. I was going to say, I honestly wish that I had played through the single-player campaign a little further. I mean, I played into uh, one of the jungle maps where you're taking a boat down the river. And even from the first scene where I booted it up and you just see uh, you're in Japan there going over the hill and the planes are flying overhead. The graphics were just amazing. I was like, okay, I'm actually going to give this a try. And then I just got sucked into the multiplayer with all my friends and I never went further in it. But comparing it to Black Ops, yeah, there's... Battlefield's just far superior to that. Yeah. Two, I should say. I think the thing that really gets me about the game that keeps me playing, like, besides the, the gameplay is great and all that, but, like, some of the funny stuff that happens, and a lot of the funny stuff doesn't even happen during the cutscenes. Like, we're in the middle of a firefight, and I pop up and I shoot this guy in the face, and one of my squad mates yells, He's a goner! Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yo, like that, that's, that's some funny shit to hear when you're fighting, you know, when you're in a firefight. Yeah. You know, so it was... Uh, I'm actually going to have to boot that up uh, later on now and give that a try. <laughs> yeah, it's, some of the stuff they say is really, is really, really funny. Yeah. Um, 
And then and some of the conversations they do have, like not necessarily cutscenes, but like when you're just going place to place, some of the conversations are ridiculous. I, there was a conversation involving like Predator and UFC. <laughs> I lost my, I lost it. <laughs> but it was, it's really good. <laughs> it's really worthwhile just to play for the jokes. Oh yeah, so it was a great game. Um, besides the multiplayer, which is known for. Um, now, coming off of a great game and into a poor game is Crisis, the original Crisis. I have never played a more buggy game in my entire life, dude. <laughs> Ever. Ever. But graphics. But graphics. Doesn't matter if it's maxing out my RAM, okay? <laughs> like, like I, I got to the end of the game, um, which is not that long to begin with, to be honest with you. But uh, got to the end of the game, and the second to last boss is this this walker thing that walks onto the ship. And uh my game kept crashing. Like my game like kept freezing and crashing. I couldn't complete it. And so I, I um you know, I use rain meter and so like I I, I had like a, a web page up on my second screen, so I took it off my second screen so I could look at the rain meter. Um which doesn't meter rain by the way, guys. It actually it gives you information on system resources. Oh. <laughs> but, but um no yeah <laughs> so what happened like i'm looking at like you know i open up the game i now by, i have 12 gigs of ram in the system by the way ddr3 so i'm looking at my system it's only taking three gigs of ram when the game's open when the game uh you know loads up into the actual game itself it's taking up like 3.2 3.3 something like that I go back outside, and the boss steps on the screen. And I watch my RAM go from 3.3 gigabytes, uh, you know, all the way to 8 within about a few minutes. Look, and, that boss was memory intensive. Yes. Yeah. He's and, a beast. <laughs> yeah. And, like, so it was, uh, like, it will crash every time I hit 8, even though I have 4 gigs of RAM left. So basically, what I want to do, and like every your computer's t- like, there's no way that one program <laughs> is using this much RAM. Shut down. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there's a memory leak going on. That's what your computer thinks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for translating. <laughs> but like, yeah, basically, every time I saw myself getting like around seven point five, seven point six, I start saving and then like crash, <laughs> come back. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even really a good translation. The best translation would be the boss steps on the screen and gives you a middle finger, and then everything crashes. That would be a better translation of what happened. Dude, it was like, I could the boss fight probably would have taken about 10 minutes if I could have played it straight through. But because I kept crashing, saving, come back, crash, save, come back, <laughs> it took forever. And then that last boss, which was just easy, so easy, you know, just... God, it was so easy like that, and then you, you get the end of the game. I'm like, wow, that was totally not worth it. <laughs> but um, well, you know, it's funny you mentioned the uh, the Crytek One engine because uh, Ion actually runs off of the Crytek One engine, and the Crytek One engine was I don't know why I wouldn't say rumored, but it was definitely a computer destroyer. Like uh, my last system, I've had issues with it when I play Ion. If I do like. Uh, Basically, a big RVR from uh, Warhammer, if you remember that. They have those kinds of fort raids in the game. My, I'll sometimes get a blue screen to death. And it's I know it wasn't my system. The only thing I can think of would be my graphics card. But I know that the Crytek 1 engine has tons of issues with it. And that's why they kind of went to the Crytek 2 engine. With uh, Crisis 2, I didn't have any of the same issues I had when playing Iron or uh, Crisis 1. 
Well, I know like people who had monster systems when Crisis came out complained about performance issues. So the engine was uh, I don't know the engine probably needed some tweaks. But um, before besides Crisis, um, Portal Two co-op I finally finished it. Amazing, best co-op out this year, hands down. Have you guys fin- have you guys played it? I've well, probably played, played it. I haven't it. finished it. Yeah, I played it though, and it's it, yeah, it's good. It's really good. It, it pretty much just like the rest of the game. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. It's what you would expect from Valve, you know. Yeah, but I'm I was... a poor man. Can't afford that right now. <laughs> yeah, well, you're you're definitely missing out. <laughs> so you need to go sell like a, a body part. <laughs> <laughs> sell a kidney. <laughs> so sell a kidney, or just sell your body. Just, somebody yeah, you got to go test it out at your laboratories, and you know you get like sixty bucks for, that <laughs> yeah. for yeah. science. For science. But um, yeah. Besides that, I've been playing Trenched. I told you my list was long, man. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I've been playing Trenched, which is actually it's really good. That's a that's like a uh, a third person tower defense game. Um, you're in this thing. Do you guys have you guys heard about it at all? Oh, okay. Heard about it? All right. Well, you're like in this thing called you're in a trench. Like you know how they dig dig trenches in war. Well, this trench is like has legs and guns attached to it, so you're (laughs) controlling that thing. And so you know, it's like it's kind of like a mech game because you can control you know what type of legs you have, what um what torso you have, and what guns you put on it. And then you also have these uh emplacements that like come down and they're either turrets or mortars or anti-air stuff you know stuff like that so you basically just fight off waves of enemies and protect your base that's what that's what your objective is so it's a really cool game like that and i played the sonic generations demo which was not bad it's just missing something i tell you one thing they did put back in sonic speed they put the speed back in Sonic. That's that's nice because that's you know not the only thing that was missing, but a large, large, right, large, large, large part of, of it what was missing. <laughs> yeah, like because they you play the you play it in two D, and you play as I guess old Sonic or original Sonic. I don't know how they're gonna differentiate. Classic Sonic, I think they're calling Sonic. it. Yeah, that's what they call old stuff. Classic but, um, versus modern. Yeah. Yeah. So you know they uh, you know you play as him. And um, yeah, you pretty much just uh, run around, do some do some jumping stuff, and jump on people. That's about it. And it's really short. It's like <laughs> the demo is like two minutes, three minutes. When it took me like ten minutes to download it. So, but uh, yeah, played that too. And uh, I guess I'm just waiting. Definitely not buying before I try it this time. <laughs> Definitely not. You know. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But um. Yep, that's what I've been playing. That's my list. I have been busy, obviously. Can I just say that I'm really proud of Jared this month or this <laughs> this week because every time we do this, he's played one game, and and usually it's like some like browser game or something that he's reviewed for the site, and that's the only game that he's played in the two weeks since we did the last Smashcast. And now and now this time he comes in and he's got both of our lists put together plus a couple more. <laughs> I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him this week because he's, he's, he's getting around to playing some of those games. He's got stacked around everywhere. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. You know, I, I just decided I, I needed some me time, you know? So, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah. All right. So that's what we've been playing. So let's actually get into the topics. Yeah. You know the stuff people want to hear about. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, let's get into everybody's favorite hero, misogynistic hero, Duke Nukem. Hail to the king. Or not. Because <laughs> that, that, that game definitely... Well, I'm not even going to talk about Duke Nukem. We've already talked about it. I'm sure you've read the reviews by now. Okay? And that's actually what we're going to talk about, the reviews. Because Duke Nukem's PR team was threatening, was threatening to blacklist sites if they published a negative review. And we should specify that they were, they were threatening them publicly is really what they were doing. Not so much the fact that they pu- they were, you know, threatening them privately because, well, they don't really threaten privately, but there are private blacklists. But, you you know, it's just something, something that happens in the industry. You know, people, developers and publishers don't want to see really crappy reviews for their games because they can't sell them if all they have is really crappy reviews. So they kind of, you know, if you dog their game a little too much, you'll probably be missing a review copy or two down the line. Um, the only difference is that usually stays behind closed doors. You know, it happens, but people know it happens, but you, they don't talk about it in public. The Redner group, the the PR team for behind Duke Nukem Forever, they broke the golden rule and made it public on Twitter, <laughs> of all places. Yeah. Actually, let me read what they said. Uh... They had Pound, Always Bet on Duke. Too many went too far with their reviews. We are reviewing who gets games next time and who doesn't based on today's Venom. That's what they said. So, I mean... It's a pretty bold statement, to say the least. Especially with the whole word Venom there. It sticks out yeah. in your mind. I mean, if you, uh, you have, when you give a reviewer a review copy, you have to expect, like, they, they're going to give their honest opinion because, yes... You gave us that game to review. I'm talking from, like, let's say a Mash Those Buttons standpoint. Even though we didn't get a review copy, and that's all Rob Hill Williams' fault, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we uh, didn't get a review copy. But let's say we did, right? Well, now when we review the game, like, just because you gave us a review copy, if we go easy on the game, or if we don't say certain things, you know, we leave certain things out, or let's say we even give it a good review when it's a bad game, that looks poorly on us as reviewers, you know? And then people stop coming to the site, which makes the whole thing pointless because if people stop coming to the site, then reviewers, well, publishers will stop giving you review copies anyway, you know? Yeah, the only thing that really matters at the end of the day, and this is just a, you know, you know, a serious moment of journalism or whatever you want to call it, that we're honest with you, you know, we're honest with you being people who come to the site and trust our opinion or want to know what our opinion is because, and you build that trust over time. So if you go and you crap it away because you're trying to keep review copies of games, you break that trust and then nobody pays attention and then you're SOL all around really. So, I mean, it's, it's a hard line because, you know, you don't want to just like, do the Mexican hat dance on somebody, you know, on a developer's heart about a game, you know, that they poured months or years or whatever into. But so you know, you don't you don't sit there and you say, well, this game just sucks the biggest piece of butt that I've ever seen, and it is a giant piece of a turd that is sticking to the bottom of a shoe that has been hung in a septic tank. Like you don't say stuff like that, especially with nothing to back it up. You don't just say like, yeah, it's crap. 
it's a one out of five and then push it out the door. You don't do that. But at the same time, like if a game is bad, honesty. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you give someone a game and you say, here, you're a game reviewer. Review this game. They're asking, like, whether they know it or not, or whether they realize it or not, they're asking you to review a game honestly and to tell your readers the truth. And that's what we do. Unfortunately, sometimes you get punished for it. Yeah, I know as a fact we're on at least two blacklists. Yeah. At least two. Because of honesty. <laughs> but um, that's the price. See, all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Not all your fault. This one was. I'm pretty sure that we didn't get a review copy because of the preview you wrote after PAX, which was an honest preview, though. We we I read it. I I agreed. We talked about it on that pot the 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 pot the PAX special edition podcast. You know, and that's that was that. But after seeing this, after seeing how they you know dealt with this, and you know that makes me think like, okay, well then that's why we didn't get a review copy. You know, yeah, because uh, and a lot of and. And I think it's something that's indicative of the game industry and journalism revolving around games is that we spend so much time hyping a game before it comes out. Because, you know, we we play the games too. We like playing the games. That's why we do this. You know, it's a large part of why we even bother. Because we're fans as well as, you know, people who look at the industry and, you know, attempt to, you know, give some insight to it. So we get excited. You know, we see something we want to play, and we get excited, just like you guys do. And so we could spend a lot of time hyping a game, only to have it come out and give a review, and it's like, not good, sorry about all that hype. But by then, you know, you've already hyped it, they they see that, they're like, great, they're hyping it, you know, that's, that's fantastic. But if you come out of the gate lukewarm about a game... <laughs> they don't necessarily want a whole lot to do with you because chances are unless they unless they're really really confident that the game is you know better than what you saw and when you played the demo that you know was only a couple of months out or whatever the case may be that it's probably not going to change much if not just get worse duke nukem was it did not do well i mean it was metacritic score of 49 and that was fairly not that far after it came out. I don't know if it's it's probably lower by now, I would imagine. I would imagine so, yeah. Well, when this was coming out, people, I think, may have been expecting a brand new game. I was under the impression that they just took the product that was there from back in the day and sort of finished it, tweaked it, and added a little more to it. So, And I've also heard the PC version is doing better, right? Uh, supposedly better in the scores. It's better in the scores, and I really couldn't tell you why. I don't think there's any real difference between them. I think it's just that most of the review copies that get sent out or for 360 when the publisher actually sends them or the PR people actually send them. Um, so if you know it goes really hard one way or the other, then like that's probably the, the Metacritic score that I'll hit, see it hit most. Um, I guess maybe it's because otherwise it's just PC-only sites or something along those lines picking up right. Duke themselves. So if you're actually going out of your way to pick it up, you know, not that you won't pick up a game that you you know expect to hate, but not a lot of sites are going to waste their time if they really already played the demo or something and they were like, it's garbage. <laughs> well, the, right. the PC version is probably getting a tad bit better score because it looks better. It, it does look better because the, the one we played at PAX, it looked awful. 
It looked bad. But, yeah, uh, it, it looked spotty. Like it was definitely like good sometimes, and then other places you were like, "Man, they didn't take as much time with this." <laughs> like, that, like when you're playing out in that desert, it's just like, like the the football that field was, was nice. Which, yeah, that was, was awesome. Good. Yeah. But like when you play out in the desert, it's like, oh god, who threw up on my 360? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it looked like. It was it was bad. But uh, yeah, uh, Duke, Duke, Duke forever. Like as a game wasn't like that like it just wasn't it, it wasn't up to par it wasn't that good you're, you're absolutely right they did take the old game this, this is all gearbox did this is not a reflection of gearbox software because all gearbox did was take the game and finish it and put the finishing touches on it that's pretty much all they did they didn't change the gameplay itself and the gameplay was just outdated and that's why the game did poorly and the bad move, I mean, like, if maybe one or two reviewers... Well, first of all, he shouldn't have did it in public. But if one or two reviewers, like... Or even five reviewers, they, they give you scathing reviews. That's one thing. But when everybody is giving you bad reviews... That that says something about your game. Yeah. It's not like there's a vast conspiracy to really, like, give a game a bad review or something. And it's just that literally... It's not that good. Like, I mean, I've seen, I've seen some crazy stuff, and and it's weird because a lot of customers, at least you know, people in comments and sites and things of that nature, kind of like defend Duke Nukem and say it's okay. Because really, <laughs> the worst part about Duke Nukem actually doesn't have a whole lot to do. I mean, it does have a lot to do with the fact that the game just feels old. It also has to do with the fact that like, if the game had been it had felt as old as it does. So, I mean, because the game, from what I understand, is not any different than what I played when we played the demo at PAX. Um, it, it, aside from it feeling old, it would have been okay had it still kept, like, the good Duke Nukem humor that, you know, yeah, people that remember from the 3D heard, and the things. It didn't really do that. It really went very, very, like, not even, like, misogynistic, but, like, kind of off the deep end like a lot of like oh rape is real real funny not just like hey here's a rape joke but like rape is hilarious type stuff or like hey tampons that's pretty that's pretty funny right like it wasn't even like sophomore humor it was just bad like it wasn't funny which is what kind of hurt it the most out of anything so i mean it's not like people are immune to that like they see that you, they they're gonna they're gonna you know talk about what they see and when that many people like you said say that your game's not really that good that's not just people just trying to down your game it's not like some guy who's sitting in a you know sitting somewhere who got a copy from his friend and he's like i'm gonna trash i'm gonna trash this game on my little live journal site like no it's it's legit reviewers who are like no game's really not that good it's it's just not. <laughs> I mean, I think it got three favorable reviews. It's yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this is a, I guess a lesson for that PR team, which was the the Redner group, which I believe the Gearbox has dropped them. Yeah. T. Well, two K. Yeah. I 2K, mean, they, so. they got a lesson because two K. Yeah, turned around and they dropped them. I mean, it's one thing when it's kept behind closed doors because I mean, you, it happens. And if they if it had been behind closed doors, they would have never even run into an issue. But the fact that they made it public, they got dropped. Yep. Yep. So, so this is the problem with Twitter. You got to be an adult on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we're seeing a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> Politicians, it, PR teams, everybody. Exactly. It's it would be different it's if it was from 
if it was like from the one individual's Twitter account, but he did it from the like Redner group, group yeah. Twitter account, like and I was like, public, yeah, yeah, the palm. Uh, as the yeah, yeah, the face of the company, face in palm, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was pretty bad, so, and and it's funny because once it's out there. And you, and you know the people follow those because, especially reviewers, you know, regular people probably don't as much, but review sites and things follow those things. So once it's out there, it's it's out there. It's, you can't get that back. <laughs> because even if you delete that later, it, I guarantee you somebody's copied it already. And it, in fact, they did it with this. Like, he deleted it after the fact, but it's too late. It had gotten out into the wild. Yeah, once it's on the internet, it's there. It is there. But uh, so at this point, I would say the Duke Nukem franchise is pretty much ruined. Like with the bad game, and then with this PR thing, like it's it's just bad all around. Um, the only hope that the Duke Nukem, I guess, uh, brand has at this point is the fact that there is going to be a 3D remake of Duke Nukem 3D. That's it. Like if they if they can like it's gonna done by Interceptor Entertainment. It's called Duke Nukem 3D Reloaded. And they're going to, uh, you know, I guess uh, they're using the Unreal 3 engine to power it. So they're going to bring, you know, bring all the graphics and everything up to date. But the problem with Duke Nukem, that, like as we stated earlier, at least on PC, wasn't the graphics. It was the gameplay. So I don't know what they're going to do to the gameplay to make it, you know, playable now. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you going to do? Well, how much is really going to change in doing that? I'm like, exactly. How many old games, like, actually, if you played them now, like, back then they were awesome, but how many old games, if you play it now, are going to be as awesome? Like, even games like GoldenEye, if you were to update, like, really update GoldenEye, not what they did with the GoldenEye 007, but really update GoldenEye and then bring it into today, how is it going to be, you know, how is it going to be to play? It's not going to be that fun. I mean, there's only yeah, nostalgia. Games. Yeah, nostalgia only goes so far. And nostalgia yeah. goes a long way when you're thinking about something. It goes a little less far when you finally pop in your console and or you pull out the old console from the attic and you fire it up to try and play it and realize, like, man, should have stayed nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's usually the problem. I mean, you can put a you can put a pretty coat of paint on some things. I mean, that's why you're seeing the HD remakes with like PS3 and stuff like that. But those games aren't that old, so it doesn't feel like you're really pulling that far back but you go back to do Nukem 3d or anything of that nature it's it's different <laughs> yeah, exactly so we'll see well you know we'll keep you up to date with that of course and we'll see what happens um but i i wouldn't get too excited to be honest with yeah you. i mean what, what are they talking about it's uh the just the the multiplayer demo that they're supposed to do you know has seven like or two maps and seven weapons, and that's supposed to be, like, a lot, I guess. But, I mean, for that game, it was. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. It'll probably still be better than Duke Nukem Forever, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, let's move on to the next topic. Let's let's talk about Hitman. Um, Hitman, Absolution. There was a leak, a, a gameplay uh, footage leak for Hitman Absolution, and... I gotta be honest with you. That's not Hitman. That's he's he, that, that guy is gonna stop whoever he is. Well, actually, I know who he is. He's gonna stop. He's gonna pull off like a face mask, and it's gonna be Solid Snake. 
<laughs> and Snake does wear those masks all the time, so yeah, that's that's pretty good. Because that mean. that game that leak is like what they show was not Hitman. Like anybody who's played a Hitman game knows Hitman is about blending in, being stealthy, killing people without them knowing that you're killing them. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Making things with style. Exactly, making things look like an accident. Like, oh man, opened up my uh, my uh, you know oven and all oh, it blew up. God hates me. <laughs> that's so strange. <laughs> exactly. That's 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 what Hitman is about, and that's not what they're delivering here. At least from what they've shown. Like we talked about it last time, and in the description it said that uh, you know Agent Forty Seven's running from the police, and the first thing that popped in my mind when I heard that was that wait he's running from the police. That means he's doing a bad job because they shouldn't even know that he exists. So he should die. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. He's, unless, he's it, unless it's some sort of storyline where somebody else compromises him or something. But I mean, you, you know, like that still puts the gameplay in kind of an awkward spot because it's not, he's not going after somebody now. People are coming after him, which puts him on the defensive, not the offensive. It's It turns into Splinter Cell. That's kind of what it did. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, And that's what the gameplay looks like. Yeah, except there's no cool like you know walking on walls and stuff like that. Yeah, no, no stuff, no quick takedowns and things of that nature. Because even that would have been kind of cool, but it, yeah, no, don't yeah. even get that. Pretty much, I mean, like you as a, like, if you watch the video, which will be in the show notes, you'll see him like stealthily walking through and coming up behind some of the police officers and smashing them with stuff. But that's still not his style because they saw him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you're not supposed to see the killer. Uh, Do you think you know, maybe they'll change something uh, along the lines before the game comes out? Like explain why he's doing the stuff the way he's doing it now? Maybe. Oh yeah, they'll definitely explain it. Like I mean, we'll probably receive some press releases sometime soon because it's like I said, this is a video. This is a leak. This is not official from Square Enix. So more than likely, what they'll wind up doing is they'll send us a press release explaining some of the story and stuff like that. So, you know. Uh, until then, I can only we can only speculate. But from what I can clearly see, like when I watch the video, him holding the guy by the neck, you know, hold him as a hostage, and like you know, there's like what like ten or fifteen police police officers yeah. like <laughs> holding the guns at him, like looking at him, like oh, like don't move, you know, like really, like no man, too much, like you're sneaking around. I mean, no, you're supposed to sneak around in Hitman, but he's like. St- sneaking around too much like Solid Snake or Sam Fisher like yeah it it really reminded me a lot of Conviction even with the like kind of the notification that somebody is like on you like the little arrows that point like in different parts of the screen that like you know there's a person there or somebody's aware of you right like I mean ripped right out of Splinter Cell Conviction I mean Splinter Cell Conviction is a great game so is Metal Gear don't get me wrong but those are not Hitman so that's kind of the problem. You can explain it all day as to why he's doing things differently now, but it's still not a Hitman game. So yeah. I hope that that was just a kind of a a one-off or like, you know, that's the beginning of the game. He's getting chased by cops, and then from there on, he goes in the offensive trying to find who compromised him, something along those lines. That'd be great. But uh, for what I saw, and, and it's not like there was even one scene of him icing somebody in typical Agent 47 fashion. It was just... Split Cell, Metal Gear. 
about 40 seconds into the video to about a minute, you even see him crouching while he's getting shot behind a wall or something like that. He looks exactly like Snakewood, too, when he's leaning. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't want to get yeah I don't want to get too depressed so let's 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 get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like I said, that's gonna be in the show notes. You guys can check it out and let us know what you think. Um, let's talk about uh, something I would consider bad news: forty dollar iPad games. <laughs> <laughs> I consider bad news if I bothered with an iPad, but you know that's well, neither nor there, I guess. Well, I don't even want to start a trend of something like that, you know. Did you know how these things catch on? Like how you know, motion gaming, like, oh, motion gaming, that that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm that, that's cute. That's real cute. And now they're pushing it in your Mass Effect on 360. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Take-Two Interactive, uh, the whole place, <laughs> obviously, thinks um, that $40 iPad games are a possibility. Um you know what? They are a possibility. <laughs> they are definitely a possibility. But I don't think they're the future. I mean, to to to, to spend forty dollars on an iPad game, I mean you know you know how much value you have to pack into that? On a Yeah, that's like I'm on the fence about that. Like I could definitely see it because, you know, if you put you know the type of game development behind it that we get in, in in games on consoles, sure. And especially at forty bucks, like if you're getting like say Uncharted three for forty bucks on an iPad, that's actually a pretty good value. But you know that that's not always going to be the case. You know you're probably going to get more like a Transformers Dark Side of the Moon on iPad for forty dollars, <laughs> which is nowhere near worth the money. You know, like and that's going to happen a lot. So. It's kind of like a hard line to kind of look at. I mean, it, if if you know, gaming on the mobile apps and things of that nature is really going to catch on, you know, in that, you know, especially in a core fashion, then yeah, that's probably going to happen. I just hope that it's quality, because I mean, there's already enough shovelware out there on iPads and you know, iOSs and Android platform without them being forty dollars. <laughs> I mean, it's. It's pretty bad when it's, you pay $2 for a game and there's tons of shovelware, much less paying more and it being crap, too. Yeah. I mean, the only reason why mobile gaming is as successful as it is is because it's $0.99 cents on average. Like, you know, $0.99, cents, $2. Like, that's just stuff you don't even have to think about. Oh, yeah, well, I'll check that game out for a dollar. You know? <laughs> well, for a dollar, yeah, but like 40 bucks, you actually have to think about that. Like, you know, that's... Sitting in front of the rack at a Best Buy, like looking at the <laughs> looking at the games, and four dollars. I expect Team Fortress Two quality or higher. Exactly, you know, you expect it. But like, just, I mean, even even if you had a game that looked excellent, because you can make a good looking game on the iPad, especially with like you know like the Unreal Engine and stuff like that. But like, how much gameplay? How like, how much are you gonna get? Like how much can it really differ from other iPad games? Because you're using a touchscreen, and we've talked about it before. A touchscreen is no substitute for buttons. Yeah, not really. You know, you can do innovative things with it, but you're not going to replace 
normal, you know, unless they develop some sort of like really crazy method of using a touchscreen. Um, you're not going to replace a controller or, or the fact that, you know, you need buttons for certain things in certain and, types of games. And I hear the fanboy saying, but it has motion too. Yeah, still, no no, <laughs> no substitute here. You need buttons are important. Analog stick is important. You know, how many functions do you do in a game? You and know? stuff that you don't even think about. Really. Exactly, exactly. You know. You might be able to squeeze a Mass Effect into an iPad, but, you know... It's one thing when you're selecting conversation options or pointing at, you know, tapping on something to shoot it. Another thing when you're like, oh, let me move my guy through and give a command to a, to a you know, a partner and shoot at somebody and use a power. You, sorry, you need buttons. <laughs> you, you use them more than you think. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, forty dollars iPad game is definitely possible. Somebody's gonna buy it, especially if you. Get it and make it for an IP that's really popular. You know, somebody will buy it, but I don't. I just don't. At this point, I used to not be afraid of ideas, you know, but now I'm afraid of ideas because of everything that we see happening in the industry. You know, somebody has an idea that it's a good. It's a good idea to to make a game, hack it up, and then sell it as DLC. You know, that's our, the reality we're living in right now. Somebody had an idea that you know, uh, you know, motion for motion gaming, which there's nothing wrong with it, but now you have the big three treating motion gaming as the future. You know, like I, that's I'm afraid of ideas now. <laughs> <laughs> so like you know, I just don't, I I don't think it's gonna, I, I don't think it's gonna be, it's gonna pick up. I really hope that it doesn't pick up like forty dollar iPad games because developers think that they can make money there, like a lot of money, because, you know, $40 per person, that's a sizable piece of change. Yeah, especially when you're talking about Apple products. Exactly. You know, that's a sizable piece of change. Um, but, you know, developers tend to flock. Well, I shouldn't say developers. Publishers tend to flock toward money-making opportunities like that, and they force developers into making stuff like that. You know. Yeah, and the quality, you know, irrevocably suffers when you do stuff like that. So, it, you know, you may get the quality game, but it's like it's it's pretty much like console gaming is now, or or gaming on anything is now. You'll get quality stuff and you'll get crap. And the problem is like you don't want them to think that that should be you know forty dollars is where we should put stuff on an iPad or you know a mobile app. Um, and that's okay, even if it is crap, because that's the mindset that'll take place. That's what'll take hold, and that's the problem. Yeah. So the only thing I could see costing that much money and having that kind of quality would maybe be some sort of large uh, Sims pack, uh, one that would connect in with the uh, the iPod or the iPad type uh, ideology. You know, like say they have, uh, you know, the new thing that they were uh, displaying at the EA for E3, their uh, press release. They had the yeah, some social. Yeah, the Sim Social, something like that, possibly coupling with other games or something. But even like Sim Social itself, like period, isn't worth forty bucks. You know. Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be gonna, it's gonna be a free to play game. So. Yeah, but even like, I mean, like it would have to be a game like RPGs. You know, like something that you can actually do and do well on a touchscreen. You can do an RPG well on a touchscreen, a traditional RPG, not a Mass Effect style RPG, but a traditional style RPG. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, hopefully, I mean, it, uh, even if it does happen, I just hope the industry doesn't look at it like, oh, wow, there's a, there's a huge money-making opportunity here because that would suck. Um, 
because where whenever they put re, wherever they put those resources, like resources on that, that's, that means there's less resources making games that we actually want to play as gamers. Yeah, I don't. I'm not talking about casual gamers. I don't care about casual gamers. I'm talking about like actually making games that we like to play. <laughs> you know, that games I, for the core audience. Yes, thank you very much. Um, but besides that, there was also another comment made regarding not necessarily the iPad. But uh, regarding Apple and how and they will be dominating the games industry in how long did you say? Ten years? Ten years time? Yeah. Yeah. The uh, it's the former PlayStation uh, VP Phil Harrison. He had an interview with Edge, and he was talking about their their market growth, which is you know it's it's good. They they have very good market growth, <laughs> you know. Um, and he says if it continues, you know, the same way, which apparently he thinks it does, um, you know, they'll be dominating the the game industry in ten years. And I just have to disagree. I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine that gamers will really allow this to happen. Like, I'm not saying that they're gonna go on strike or protest or things like that, but like, you know, I think to dominate the industry. You would need to. You would need actually those forty dollar, fifty dollar games. Wouldn't you think so? Because they're already talking about the price it costs to develop these games. Yeah, because I mean, if you're talking from a standpoint of like, oh, they there's so they, there's this many people, you know, playing games on it, then that's something completely different than it owning the game industry. That's those aren't the same things, you know. When you're talking. There may be 16 million people who use an iOS device and they game on it, but if they're playing nothing but Angry Birds, which is free, then that's not a share of the game industry, really. That proves its popularity, but it doesn't prove that it's that it's you know taken over the game industry. Even if it's a dollar, you're still talking you know a dollar game that gets really popular. For all 16 million of those people, you're only talking 16 million dollars versus you know, fifty, sixty dollars for games spread across, you know, ten million on yeah. different consoles. Like it that's it doesn't even up on yeah, I know production costs and all that, but it still doesn't uh, at the end of the day it doesn't really they don't match. One thing is not the other when you're just talking numbers of people playing something versus them actually having a share of the market. I mean they said that the the number one activity on iPad is gaming. That's fine, but you're still talking about those what kind of gaming right you know like and our and the other thing too is are gamers really abandoning their ps3s or 360s and even their wii's to go play on an ipad instead i don't think so no no like nobody's gonna sit there and play a fully engrossing experience on an ipad one, because it doesn't have buttons, which we've gone over like a million times now. <laughs> yeah, and mostly because it doesn't have those engrossing experiences. You yeah. know, that. But even if they even if they developed the, the, like games with engrossing experiences for the iPad, are you like would you as a gamer really sit there on your iPad and play through a game? Like let's say let's say they they found a way by the grace of God to make Uncharted <laughs> work on an iPad. Okay. Would you sit there for 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 five hours and play Uncharted? Hell no. You know, on an iPad? 
I like it. Like you said, the engrossing well, features. I want a big monitor. I want a surround sound system, or you know, a big TV, something like that. I I just can't see that happening with an iPad. Yeah, but the trade-off is that you can take it anywhere. Like you know, it's not just I can, I can only play Uncharted when I come home, sit down, and and I mean. There's when you really want to get into an engrossing experience, then yes, you want to come home and sit down and play. But at the same time, like if you are going to a friend's house, you're waiting for an appointment. If you can, you know, fire up Uncharted and play that for a half hour or something, it's still an engrossing experience that you can come back to if you can put it to sleep. You know, if you can do that. (laughs) But I don't know. It's yeah. Well, even with gaming laptops, aren't gaming laptops getting smaller now? I mean, they're not nearly as big as they used to be. Who's to say that you couldn't just take a gaming laptop and do the same thing, though? Yeah, most like real gaming laptops are still of a pretty hefty size. Like laptops are getting smaller, and you could technically play some of those games on the smaller laptops. But even like I think what the like Alienware um, released a pretty tiny laptop that'll still play like stuff like you know like say black ops recently. mx11 yeah like but that's kind of that's a rarity and even that is not really you know you're not getting high-end you know even what a a, a real gaming laptop can do actually so even that's kind of you it, it is it is really powerful it is really powerful actually it was so powerful i was considering buying one like for land gaming, like buying one and just hooking up a monitor to it when I went out. <laughs> <laughs> that was considered it. Then I, then I, then I take that back. I mean, if it's that powerful, but that's still the rarity, though. How, like how many other right. laptops are like that, and what are the prices like? You know, on other yeah. laptops like that, if they do exist. I got I you. Know. Well, I mean, like even I understand having having it portable. You know what I'm saying? That's great and all. But, like, really, like, would you really want to have to, like, get into a game like Uncharted or L.A. Noir and then have to, you know, you're playing it out now, so now you're at your doctor's appointment and they call you, are you going to, are you going to, I would be pissed that I have to stop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's me. Like, that's what I mean by engrossing, like, a game like that that has a story um, that, you know, I want, like, basically a game that I would want to take the time to play. And I wouldn't want to be disturbed while I'm playing it. Like, would you really want to take that somewhere? Or would you want to be, like, when you actually played it, you want to have some time to actually get into it? You know what I'm saying? Not like a yeah, quickie. I don't, I don't disagree. Like, I guess I can just see that, you know, if somebody wanted to have that experience and have it be portable, that I could see how that could be attractive. But for me personally, no. No. I, I want to sit down and have the surround sound on and turn out the lights and, you know, dim the shade and just, and you know, enjoy a game. You know, I you don't need to sit there for eight hours and do it. You can sit there for a couple hours, but those couple of hours are you in the game, not you in the game outside dealing with glare on your screen or being on the train and somebody's acting like a douchebag. You know, like it's they're not they're not the same really experience, not really, unless you, that you're used to that sort of thing. You just turn turn it out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like I think everybody can see. Oh yeah, it's portable now. That's cool. Yeah, everybody can see that. But um, I think the same people who can actually see, like, yeah, okay, portable being nice are the same people who are like, but I don't want to play L.A. New World on an iPad. You know? Like, I mean, I would play an iPad game or, like, you know, if I was, like, maybe watching some TV that I didn't really have to pay that much attention to in the first place. <laughs> or right. But then like, you're still sitting at home and you're doing it. So exactly. You know? Yeah. 
I mean, even on my smartphone now, the only time I play games on my smartphone is like when I'm like waiting for something. And I'd say like 85% of my smartphone game time is like in the bathroom, just like everybody else. Yeah, tie <laughs> it up real quick and play some Angry Birds and then finish your business and go. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, that's that's the thing. I really, you know, besi- and besides all that, like, besides the fact that I don't think AAA titles will excel on an iPad or uh, a tablet in general, you now you have the problems with clones because the App yeah, Store, like, as, yeah. the App Store is riddled with clones riddled with clones that are like when I say clones I don't just mean games that are kind of like what you play I mean games that look exactly like what you play like with the for example like the blocks cometh the um I forget what the name of the clone game was but before like the blocks cometh had you know the guy had some press releases had some images game wasn't out yet somebody else took that idea totally made the game including um Actually, no, they didn't include the character he had in the game. They took a sprite from another game and put it in, like, the I, the, the Box Cometh clone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, it, everything is the same except this one character, so technically it's a different <laughs> game. So the App Store's like, well, bear, and then you're stuck. <laughs> Unless you go through some lengthy claims process or, you know, copyright and all that fun stuff. Yeah, but pretty by much. at that point, they're sitting there making money off of it. Yeah, and, like, this is a problem because Apple, like, you know, when, when the, the creator of the blocks cometh went to Apple about it, they were kind of like, eh, <laughs> you know, and that was it. So, Apple, obviously, like, you know, yeah, they don't their, their attitude. Their, yeah, they don't police their app store, like, at least the way they should, but they don't want to police it that way because people wouldn't do it if they cracked down on everybody who had something that was like something else. Exactly. You know, then it would become a legitimate, you know gaming portal kind of like steam or something but through apple and then all of a sudden it's uh it's weird because you know everybody keeps saying keeps saying that like they're going to take over gaming it's going to take gaming by storm hmm. but it, they kind of avoid things that would make it more legit yeah in a way you know but well, like they want to be able to say we have five million apps on the, yeah. on the store so they leave it alone well they the... With everybody saying that they're going to take over gaming, they probably think they're doing a good job. <laughs> That's true. That's true. If if you yeah, if everybody says that you're doing it, then you're just like, all right, well, cool. I don't need to do anything else. Then we just do what we're doing. Yeah. So, I really can't see it happen. I'm like, yes, the growth is big or it's large because it's new. It's still pretty new. Like gaming on the tablet is still, you know, mobile gaming is still kind of new. You it's kind of like Facebook when that was, you know, the new thing. And people were like, oh, my God, Facebook's going to take over gaming. And then it turned into like, well, Facebook's just another platform. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they're going to – the iPad, obviously. Well, iOS, I'm going to say, because both platforms it's both a, yeah, devices. It's the same thing. They're going to have success. Yes, they are. But take over gaming, please. They're going to take over gaming when PC gaming dies, when that thing happens. Because you guys, you know, the critics have been saying that for years. <laughs> PC gaming was dead. Yeah, and now PC gaming is going through a resurgence. Like, yeah, it wasn't doing all that great, but it was still there. <laughs> yeah. It's still solid. And now it's kind of on the comeback trail. So, so. yeah, so, yeah, that's how that's how I feel about that. So we're going to leave that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, next topic is in-game connect ads. If you didn't have... 
a reason not to get a connect in the first place. Um, <laughs> now you really have a reason not to get a connect. Um, so basically, Microsoft, there was some speculation about this before. Um, but Microsoft has confirmed that there will be in-game ads and uh, connect games. Now, I'm curious as to, or I should say there's going to be in-game ads that use connect. I'm curious as to whether or not they're going to be putting ads in all games or just in connect games. Because if they are putting ads in all games, dude, I will be switching back. Sony will have my allegiance once again. Because <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. If that's the case, but from what I've from what we've been presented so far, it doesn't sound like it. So I'm not going to unleash the hate just yet. But I am going to unleash the hate on the Connect because it has in-game advertisements. <laughs> I mean, like, when is it going to stop? Like, I mean, I understand that you're a business and it's to make money. Understandable, totally. But, like, what about ruining your user's experience with in-game ads, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the worst things about playing on, say, like, a mobile phone is getting interrupted by ads, you know, every round you do something or that something pops up on the bottom of your screen. It's enough that games on console now have, you know, like Madden has in-game ads for Pepsi or whatever the crap is in it or, you know, Need for Speed has billboards for Sprint and stuff. That's bad enough without having something forcibly pop up on you and, you know, like, oh, here's an ad, here's an advertisement. Like, it's it's like the old, you've won, like, on, you know, the internet back in the day. That's that's annoying. And that's, you don't pay for an experience to have somebody try and make some more money off of it by interrupting that experience. That's, that's no bueno. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I know developers like there's there's a lot of developers out there that try to build that user experience, you know, in their game, and try to make it really engrossing, you know. And how I wonder how they're gonna feel if they if in fact they do put these game these ads in game, like that totally breaks up the experience, you know. Like you you let's say so you're playing like I don't know playing like some type of uh, medieval game and all of a sudden something for Game of Thrones comes up. Watch it tonight at Thursday at 8 o'clock. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Some of the features of it seem kind of cool though. I feel like I'm powering up for something here. It says Xbox schedule. You gotta shout that or yell it. I don't know if it can get me to order a pizza for that way. I don't know. It might be something interesting. Yeah, but see, it's funny, though, because they give you all those options, you know, schedule or tell me more or waving your hands at it. Yeah, like, you you can do all that, but you can't say, I don't want to see, Xbox don't show ad. (laughs) Which, honest to God, if it doesn't bother you and you want to keep it in there, then by all means, if that's an option to, like, if you want to put the ads in there and if somebody wants to see them, like, it's as if they're watching regular TV because they're stupid enough to buy a Kinect, then let them get it. But give me the option to take it off, too. You know, like some people will sit there and they will not bother to take, turn it off because they, they're too lazy. And at least <laughs> give people the option to turn it off because you paid money for it. Like, you've already paid your dues for what you have. You shouldn't have to deal with more crap that's yeah. just thrust on you without and your permission. It's funny because they're treating it like people actually want to advertise for the advertisers. Like, 
you see an ad, and you're like, oh my god, that's the best deal ever. Xbox tweet. Like, no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, no, like, not unless it's accompanied by a funny video or something, but in that case, you've got a funny video pop up in front of your Mass Effect or something, and you're like, It's I... not funny anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're playing, you're playing, you know, Modern Warfare 3 multiplayer, and it pops up, and you're like, what the... God! <laughs> yeah, that's... No. <laughs> no. I don't know, you're going to find tons of people tweeting up ads for Battlefield 3 during the Modern Warfare 3 ones, so uh won't be too much of an issue. Uh, do they know if these are going to be like posted up during loading screens, or just while you're doing random gameplay? Uh, they, not really specific. Yeah, not specific it. yet. So yeah, we, I mean, because yeah. if it's during loading screens, I can't imagine it'd be too much of an issue as long as it didn't interfere with my loading screen finishing or getting onto its next task. Yeah, I mean, it, the way that they're describing it isn't really being described as like during loading screens and stuff. And like, there's a lot of games that don't even bother with loading screens anymore to some extent. So Super that's kind of difficult too. <laughs> like, but it seems like it's they're going to work it like regular ads, like as if you're watching TV or something, and then like here's a commercial almost. That's what oh, it that sounds like, but they're not saying that. But I mean. Just because they're not saying it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I mean, I guess we'll see because it's spring 2012. It's supposed to start, you know, coming down the pipe. Uh, get ready for Connects if you don't want to see it. <laughs> I guess because apparently that's and it's kind of silly too that it's like you know it's not even just if you have a 360, but like it's like oh if you have Connect, get ready for some ads because yeah. you didn't spend enough on the Connect already <laughs> and deal with the the glut of you know any kind of game for it. Now you get some ads instead. Yeah, what the scenario I see happening is, uh, you know, a little ad. Let's say a little ad pops up at the bottom of the screen while you're playing the game, playing a shooter. You know, Modern Warfare Four, or whatever. <laughs> and um, you know, you're playing it. You get killed. Little ads at the bottom. You throw your hands in the air, and all of a sudden, the ad takes over because it thinks you like the ad. Oh, that'd be annoying. Yeah. I can see some miscommunications happening because even right now, like when I'm viewing a web page and I accidentally click the side of the web page and it sends me to some like, you know, it, that's it registers as an ad click and I, it sends true. me somewhere that is annoying to me. So we'll see what happens. They haven't given us too many details yet, but they really need to tread carefully with this. Whenever you talk about putting game ads in game in a game that I paid sixty dollars for. Oh yeah, on top of that. Now yeah. not only do you pay for the system and you pay for your connect to get your experience, you pay the sixty dollars for your game too. And now you're gonna interrupt me. Not even the people who made the game, but you're gonna interrupt me. Yeah. The guys who made the console. That's yeah. that's not, a problem. That that's bit. that's not cool. So uh yeah, we're going to leave that one alone for now until we get more information. <laughs> but the next thing we're going to talk about is women in gaming. And there was an article, which is going to be in the show notes, um, saying that women remain the ignored audience in gaming. Um, I'm going to start off with the part of the article that bothered me the most. And it says that market representation for women has grown to 50% overall, with console use rising significantly in the past two years. If anybody, anybody listening to this, can can get me proof of this, I'll 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 do something nice for you. <laughs> I will send you like a fruit basket or something, because I cannot believe that this statistic is true. I do not believe that there is for every man that plays a game, there's a woman. I can't believe that. They 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 have to be counting thirteen year olds that sound like girls. 
<laughs> I mean, like, yeah, the, the representation has gone up a lot for women. And I mean, like, I I would say, you know, 33%, maybe 40%, but 50% is still, like, pushing it a bit. It's just definitely just not that many playing. Um, they did link to uh, a report um, that was done by Interpret, but the the link to the report only shows the first two pages. The other three, the other six pages that have the actual information on them are not available unless you buy the freaking thing, which is beyond retarded. So I can't even see where they're getting those numbers from. Um, that's just annoying. But I would love to see, I would love to actually see, really see where they got those numbers from for it. Like if they're talking who purchased the system, that's kind of not a really good indicator. If you're just talking like households, also not really a good indicator. I, I want to know what criteria they use to figure that out. Because, I mean, there are a lot of women in games now. Like, I'm not downplaying that. But 50% is overstating it, I think. But it doesn't change the fact that women are severely ignored. <laughs> as, <laughs> as far as the game industry goes, they yeah. really are. I, I could definitely tell you that like women are not the... Um, core demographic in a lot of games. But at the same time, what I have to say to that, like, we've definitely seen an increase in female gaming. Definitely seen, a, seen an increase in female gaming. If it was that big of a problem, I don't think we would have seen the big increase that we've been seeing. I mean, I know plenty of girls that play Gears of War. Are you telling me that even more girls would play if there was a, a Marquita Phoenix? <laughs> you know? Or, like, you know, a, a female, like, a lead in a lot of these games that have males? I don't think so. I don't think that you're going to see a huge I don't think it would difference. Like, you know, in certain games, like, you know, now, unless they want us, not want us, but, you know, unless they want, unless they're saying that they need to make more games for girls, and, like, what exactly is a game for a girl? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, Cooking Mama? You telling me that all? <laughs> you, that. Are, are you telling them to get in the kitchen? Is that what you're saying here? Industry gamers? <laughs> no, but um, <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, like, what exactly? I left with that. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> what, what exactly are you trying to say? Like, I mean, like, you know, what exactly is a game for a girl? Are you telling me that the developers need to make more My Little Pony games or what? I mean, because first, if you're saying that, I think that's unfair because girls play shooters just like we do. Um, you know, not just shooters, but all types of games. They play all types of games. They have varied, um, what's the Taste. word I'm looking for? Varied tastes. Thank you. You know, which is, that's just the way it is. But at the same time, I don't think adding more female characters is going to increase the amount of women actually playing. And sometimes, when you build a story, you can't always build a story for a male and a female lead. You know? You just can't do it. You're quiet over here, Rob. But you, you got something to say? Um, I don't. I mean, like, I mean, adding female characters doesn't hurt anything, as far as like you know, giving somebody an option. Like, not everybody wants to play with you know, Super Bro He Man all the time, especially <laughs> a woman. Like, you know, some chicks may dig that. They're like, yeah, that's great. I got something to look at. But some women are like, I want to you know, play as something that represents me. Kind of like how you wouldn't want to play as a woman in every single game that you play because you're like, I, doesn't, I don't feel connected to this experience because it, it doesn't represent me at all. Um, yeah, there's exceptions, but for the most part, like you in some way want to feel like you're connected to the game. Um, 
building a two separate experiences for every single game, you know, with nuances between a male and a female character, yeah, it's a bit much. Um, but they definitely could, you know, just why in a military shooter can't you just have a woman character? You know, that, I mean, women are in the military too, just as much as men. You know, why can't they be doing the same E-Man superhero crap that they're doing? You know, like leaping off of helicopters and, you know, killing 10 guys in the 720 spin, you know, with a <laughs> NSAW. You know, like, why can't they do that? You know, and they do. I mean, they women play shooters. Like, it's, they're just people. You know, they they don't want to sit there and play My Little Pony games or Barbie Horse Adventure. They they play the same <laughs> games we play. A lot, I mean, a lot of women, and I really forget what, you know, what the source was that I read this, um, as far as like where they, the source was for the report. But it, one thing is that women spend a lot more time playing single-player experiences more than they spend playing multiplayer. I think a large part of that has to do with how they're treated when they play mm-hmm. multiplayer experiences. Um, but as far as what they actually play, like they play the same stuff we play. They, you know, they like and they enjoy their Dragon Age and Mass Effect, and they play WoW. I mean, obviously they play multi- like MMOs. Uh, I mean, as you know, shooters, Black Ops, Gears of War, they play that stuff as much as guys do. Like, yeah, there's the contingent of housewives that, you know, love Facebook and play Farmville, but those aren't really what we're talking about, the same way that we're not talking about the hipster guy with his iPad, you know, playing a game on that all the time. We're talking about a core audience, which, you know, there is a car, there's a core female audience, too, and they play the same stuff. They just, they do get ignored, though. You know, there's certain, there's little things that you can do to kind of, I don't know, be more progressive i guess <laughs> as the word but uh, and, oh i'm sorry go ahead yeah uh, well the, you know there, there's stuff you could do to be more progressive with games and you know give kind of like a i don't know a better experience to both parties rather than just assuming that women don't play and just ignoring the fact that they do it all you know because i mean then you get things like duke Nukem forever <laughs> well, you got to change stuff that much because you know there is a certain line where like you don't want to change a character, but to go out of your way to be <laughs> insensitive or you know whatever is, I don't know. That's well, I think much. games like Duke Nukem Forever, like okay, that's clearly for guys, clearly because of the humor and because of the you know like the humor and the um, just the gameplay itself. But like in a lot of cases, I'm I don't think even at Epic, I don't think you got Cliffy and a bunch of guys sitting around like, hey, like let's make this game for a bunch of dudes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that's <laughs> I don't think that's how they usually work it. I mean, they usually try to give the player, period, a a an engrossing or an enjoyable experience. Right. I and I get that. And I mean, I don't want to turn this into a debate about you know women in gaming because well we've got other podcasts for that <laughs> but um but at the same time like they may not sit there and go like what can we make for dudes you know like dude bro time but at the same time when you start when you sit and say you know you as you yourself and you sit down and you think like oh i want to make an experience like building a web page or doing whatever even though your thought may not be for a guy, it's the default that you think in because that's what you are. 
and most developers are male as far as games go. Like there's there's plenty of female working in the industry too, but most game developers are males. So when you sit down and you get in a group and you say like let's make something that's engrossing for the player, your default train of thought at least I think is going to be that you think from a guy's perspective. You kind of have to actually make an effort to think to do otherwise because it's not your default like mode of thinking just not because of any prejudice or anything but that's it's just because you're you and you can't really change that the same way as if a woman sits down and says i want to make an experience for a gamer their default is going to think like a female about it not like a guy i don't know that's just the way i see it but i i I totally understand what you're saying but when it comes like making games i don't think it's necessarily about thinking like a male or a female it's about thinking about the from the player perspective because it's one of those things where if you think from the male or female perspective you're probably going to make a bad game you know what i'm saying like you have to think about like what's fun and if you take the bulk of these games and you're like okay now what would a woman want in the game that's gonna that's how you get like Bad options of games. Not saying like okay, the woman well, yeah, options. That's true. Yeah, or that's, even that's true. E- even something like even if they said, well, what do what do the guys want in the game? You know what I'm saying? That's how you get hot coffee in GTA. That's, that is, I mean, like that's true. I don't I don't disagree with that point. I mean, you, you can't sit there and think too hard about what one specific gender or what one type of person would like. You know, what does a straight white male want? Like, that's, yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, like, game, I mean, game design does influence, you know, player experience. So, you know, there is a perspective and it's largely male. That doesn't mean that it's bad, but it just means that, like, there are certain points that, you know, it wouldn't hurt. Or wouldn't you know? It would behoove the industry to kind of like think a tiny bit harder about it. Not let's change the experience so that a woman will enjoy it, because women obviously already enjoy it. I think that really, in large part, it really doesn't have so much to do with game design as much as it does multiplayer experiences and stuff, and people grieving exactly. women <laughs> more so than anything. But I mean, game design is a part of it too. I mean. It's tough because, I mean, yeah, you have games where you look at them and you say, like, oh, that's, that's totally a dude game, like Bulletstorm or something, but I know plenty of women who like that game. You know, my fiancé thinks that game's hilarious. So, <laughs> you know, but on the other hand, like, some other woman is probably be offended as all hell by it. <laughs> so it's right, tough right. because there's varied as us. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. You, you can't look at an experience and go... Like, all right, what does a woman want to play? Because then you get Harvey, you know, Barbie horse adventures, and really you don't even get that because that's what does a ten-year-old want to play? <laughs> so, I mean, what is a you know what does a twenty-two-year-old woman want to play? <laughs> exactly. I, they, the same crap I want to play. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. They want to. They want to play what we're playing already. You know what I'm saying? That's what they want to do. And I mean, like, uh, I. I don't see what they can do that will make that big of an impact. I mean, yeah, you can do little things here or there, but we're talking about things that actually make an impact so they're no longer an ignored audience. You see what I'm saying? Like, what can you do to make it so that there's that impact there, that huge impact that, okay, now women are actually, they're, they're, they're no longer an ignored audience. They're a part of the gaming community, which they already are, by the way. Don't give me, right. don't think I'm saying that. This is where I'm viewing, I know, I know you understand, but, or listeners but don't get me wrong don't 
I don't, it's not that I don't think they're not part of the community because they are, you know. But it's what can you do that that's already not being done that won't affect the games that much. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, like like we said, I mean, yeah, when you approach it, you know, there's that perspective of wherever you're coming from when you design a game, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, make a game bad. It makes it bad when you start thinking too hard about it. Um, but I think maybe not so much in how you design a game, but how you market a game. Probably that has, you know, could do some looking at, you know, the way that the game industry is more than games themselves. Because, I mean, you say, look at Uncharted, there's nothing that's terribly bad about that going on. You know, I'm, you know, women like playing that game, you know, Nathan Drake's a, a stud or whatever, <laughs> like right. whatever the case is, you know, you have strong female characters. They're not just sex objects and things of that nature. But then I think you look at, say, E3 and you look at Booth Babes and you're like, well, yeah, okay. That's kind of, you know, like it's not necessarily so much about the games, but how we try and how, how the games are sold, you know, like sex sells and all that, but who does sex sell to? It sells to eighteen to thirty-four year old guys, <laughs> or, and or so. some girls. Yeah, well, and some girls. But I mean, it's for the large part, it's it's geared towards a male audience as far as when they're trying to sell it. Game may not be, game may not be, you know, game may be kind of gender neutral because it's just a game. But how we sell a game, you know, when you've got bikini-clad chicks, you know. Holding up signs and bouncing on trampolines, or whatever the case is, <laughs> that's not really like women look at that and they go, "eh." Whatever. Oh, you mean the good advertising? You get rid of that, Rob? <laughs> is that what you're saying here, dude? I'm not saying <laughs> get rid of all of that, but you know, if you're gonna have that guy, you're gonna have that girl up there with that little bikini on, like you know, it's only fair that you get some oiled up guy and no, but because then it would be a bad egg. <laughs> <laughs> But but think about that though. You don't if understand you marketing every, at all. If you replaced all that marketing that you see with stuff like that, and you put an oiled up guy on that cover as well, how many of us are going to want that game? Mm, see, you, you ignore bad that. Marketing. <laughs> bad <laughs> you, marketing. So I mean, that's I mean, that's at least just my thought. Like you know, I could see why sometimes women just don't they don't care. You know, they'll put yeah. up a game despite it, or because you know a friend picks it up and they you know or they try it or they play a demo. But, I mean, how much advertising is really, you know, kind of just, like, off-putting when you're like, wow, that doesn't really look like it's for me because I don't care to look at it, really. I the same you. way that if Fabio was trying to sell every video game, I wouldn't give a crap. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. I don't know. I mean, like, little things. Like, design, this, the design's not so bad. You know, I mean, there's exceptions. But, I mean, you're talking exceptions that are exceptions anyway, like Duke Nukem. Um but you know there there are things that can be looked at. There are things that can be fixed, changed, whatever the case. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you on the advertising part. There could be more, I guess, more stuff done in the advertising. And you know, like bikini-clad chicks are like an extreme. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I would say uh, in an advertising, but maybe like you know, in a Call of Duty, instead of like you know showing a ton of explosions while bumping Eminem, they actually might want to have something about the story in there. Yeah, I bet. I wouldn't mind seeing something about the freaking story in Modern Warfare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that like something like that would actually, I think, would be more level. Yeah, you know it's something, something that's rewarding. Like, and it's not necessarily like, oh, we're just doing this to pander to chicks because that's not what it's about. It's just that you know there is more than just the 
the extremes of it, of, you know, bumping Eminem or, you know, having bikini-clad chicks or scantily clad, or, you know, busty heroines, whatever the case is, you know, I think that some of what you see as far as, and I, I, I don't go on and on about this, but, you know, say what they're doing with Laura Croft, that's, not only is that good for women because she's more believable now and it's a better but she's a better character now for it it's not just you know male power fantasy of you know hot chick dual guns big guns you know <laughs> guns guns and you know multiple levels <laughs> running around with you know booty shorts on or you know <laughs> ever it's you know a character who you know, actually has some stuff going on. You actually give a crap about what's going, what's happening with them, how they get the way that they, you know, become the the story behind the character more so than like I just want to stare at her run around for a couple hours. So that's good for gaming. That's not just good for women. Yeah, so I think things like that are the answer if there's like a, a definitive answer. You know, it's it's oh, she's still attractive. <laughs> you know, it's not like they made Laura Croft ugly. It's not like Laura Croft was a three hundred pound gorilla. Now she's still attractive, but you tone down some of the ridiculousness. Unless you're going to make it all ridiculous, not just the women. You know, right, right. Kind of like wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're oh. gonna. <laughs> We're gonna move from this topic and let's talk about something that uh that I'm actually very excited for. Something uh, else is for gaming. Yeah, for Rainbow Six. Um we talked a little bit about it before. And we still don't have that much information on it. However, um there has been some information that's come out that's saying Rainbow Six is going to have moral dilemmas in the gameplay. Uh and what that means is uh for there was an example here where, uh, you know, first of all, like you, you play the part of a uh, of a terrorist ho- terrorist hostage, where you have to hold down the trigger so that you don't blow up in this, I guess, this populated area on this bridge. So that's the first thing. But then on the flip side of that, you actually have to play as like the special ops member, and when, I guess once you get to that person, you have a choice to make: do you a send him off the side of the bridge and let him explode in the water? Or B, do you try to get him off the bridge safely? You know, and there's like, there's no... And and I have to add that on the bridge there are other people. So you're risking... It's either going to be one life, or there's a chance that you're going to be killing multiple lives. You know, a lot of people. Right, if you screw up. I mean, if you save them, then you save 100 people, plus this innocent guy who just happened to get, you know, kidnapped and the bomb strapped to him. He's not at fault. He's not a terrorist. It's not an easy choice like we've always had, or it's like, well, take out that guy. Obviously, he's the fucking terrorist. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that that is very interesting gameplay. Uh, Very edgy. Um, Ubisoft says they're not they are not sure if they're going to be putting that in the game. They're still on the fence about it. And this is what I I have to say about that. If I pick up the next Rainbow Six Ubisoft and there's no, like, option like that for me in the game to either, like, throw this guy off of the bridge or to save him. him. off the bridge. I I should have a timeout here because this is where Jarrett threatens somebody this week because (laughs) I threaten somebody every week. So he's probably going to kidnap your dog and throw you in a trunk, something along those lines. So time in. I just want to warn you. Uh, (laughs) 
Yeah, so back to what I was saying. <laughs> um, if I don't have that option, not only will I kidnap your dog and throw you in the trunk, but I'll also set your corporate headquarters on fire. He's a fan of that, too. That's, I love it's fire. <laughs> <laughs> the only place I'm not going to set on fire would be Valve headquarters. I'm just going to kidnap Gabe. And then I would treat him well. I would still treat him well. You know what I'm saying? I'd make sure he's well fed, get him all like the Blu-rays he likes to watch. <laughs> while they finish Half-Life 3. But anyway, let's talk. Handle the dinners and talk about gaming. You know, <laughs> things of that nature. The game will be scared for his life. But yeah, whatever. <laughs> Eventually he'll get his Half-Life 3 out of it, so it'll be okay. Yeah, you know, as long as... He'll get to go back to his normal scarred, emotionally turmoiled life. <laughs> After all that. Yeah. yeah, but we're talking about Ubisoft here, so... I mean, yeah, well, but seriously, in all seriousness, like... Now that this information is out, like when you showed this to the press, like you have to do this now. This is huge. This, like this is how you beat Call of Duty. You don't beat Call of Duty by making a Call of Duty clone. You beat Call of Duty by making an awesome game with it does new... something totally different. Exactly. That's being, doing, that's being done. Like this would make the player totally. Like, just this will make the player think. Like really have to think about what I'm getting ready to do. This gets you engaged in the game in a level that 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 hasn't been done in a really long time. You know, like when's the last time you played a game where you're really making like really making like moral decisions that are like close, not something that's straight up good or bad. Yeah, because we do we have a big tendency of, you know, in video gaming that there's moral choices and everything. But moral choices are typically pretty black and white in every game. Every damn game. Because I can't even think of a game where they're kind of like, you know, there's like a middle ground. You know, maybe Heavy Rain is probably the closest one that has decisions that you make that aren't necessarily good or evil. They're just decisions, which is what they should be. You know, they're decisions that have consequences. That's something that is completely missing out of first-person shooters. Even as good as Medal of Honor is, there's no choice. It's just, you know, it's just a really well-done narrative. For this, I mean, and the, the other thing, not only are you making the choices, but the choices affect what you do and don't get to do later in the game. It affects, you know, multi, you have multiple endings, you have missions you'll never see if you make certain choices. So it's not always as easy as like, well, one versus 100 people, I'll just knock out that guy. Sucks for him that he got kidnapped and you got a bomb strapped to him because... Yeah, you might do that, and you may save 100 people, but you may close off a mission later on from some of them, you know, that, or that keeps you from getting a, a good ending or, or you know, quote-unquote good ending, or finding out who somebody, you know, the real person is behind the plot, you know, something along those lines. Like, the implications are pretty massive, like, kind of on a level of, like, even Mass Effect, which is kind of still pretty uneasy on the morality side, like at least like Mass Effect, you your choices have like rippling consequences. To put that into a first person shooter and then make the choices even more real, where it's not just good or evil, that's big. That's that is how you beat Call of Duty. That's how you that's how you redefine shooters. And if they don't do it, somebody else will, and they'll kick themselves later for not doing it. Yeah, exactly. Like now that the idea is out there, Activision's like, thanks if you don't do it, you know. But uh. Yeah, that is uh that's huge. And now I'm looking really looking forward to more information on the new Rainbow Six, which is gonna take place in New York by the way, which is awesome. So uh but let's move on to the next topic. Uh 
good and bad things came from this <laughs> next thing. Um, <laughs> THQ Manhattan closed. Okay. Now, I mean, the bad part is THQ Manhattan closed. Uh, it sucks for the developers, even though uh, THQ is offering, I guess, uh, the, the opportunity to interview in other positions inside other THQ offices. But, I mean, you live in Manhattan. Do you want to move to Canada? Do you want to move wherever else THQ is? You know, because that was the local office there. Um, I guess you can work remotely, but I don't really know how that works for game developers. Right. Um, There's still a lot of, you know, uncertainty involved. It's not like you can wake up and just go to your job. And and on top of that, you're not even being, say, offered another position at another place. You're just being offered to interview. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And they're not going to take everybody, so now you're, you know, going against your friends and your former co-workers, which sucks. Oh, come on, guys. Montreal's not that bad. Well, Montreal is fine. But yeah, but who you, you want to live, live there? there? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like if, you, if you've already got your, you know, you're pretty rooted yeah. where you are, it's, you know, oh, that's I a know. heck of a thing to pick up and move your whole family. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> like, sorry, job's gone because they shuttered the studio. Yep. But, yeah. But the, the good thing that actually came from this is the fact that Homefront Development has moved to THQ Montreal. The reason that's good, can anybody tell me why that's a good thing? I don't know, Jarrett. Why don't you tell me? Ooh, why? You really don't know? Ugh, you guys suck. I thought you guys <laughs> like were game journalists, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Patrice, I actually I can't. I, I think uh, was, that's it. Hey, hey, look. I got. At least I knew. At least I knew. Okay, Patrice is it Desolets or D Delicets? I think it's Desolets. Anyway, name. If you don't know his name then just know him as the guy who was in charge of Assassin's Creed. Okay? Um, he was the director, I believe he was the creative director, for Assassin's Creed and Assassin's Creed 2 and Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. And he's at THQ Montreal now. He left Ubisoft Montreal to go to THQ Montreal. Okay? So now, now I'm not saying that they're going to give home front to him, but they really should. <laughs> they really should <laughs> give home front to this guy because home front, as we discussed a little earlier, was such a uh, it, it, so many missed opportunities. Home front had huge, huge missed opportunities. They really, really like need to give home front to this guy and let him run with it. You know, that would be awesome. Now, do you think that they should remake home front entirely or just roll with a sequel? I mean, roll the game definitely left it sequel. open for a sequel. Roll with the sequel. Just roll with the sequel. It could be... I mean, like, he did wonders with between Assassin's Creed 1 and Assassin's Creed 2. Assassin's Creed 2 was, like, 200% better than Assassin's Creed 1. And Assassin's Creed 1 was already an alright game. Well, it, wasn't, it was more alright. It was actually a good game, just a little repetitive. Imagine taking a game that was like, meh, you know, taking that <laughs> game and then actually, like, being, you know, being Patrice and making it an awesome game. If Homefront was an awesome game, that would be awesome. Just <laughs> 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 to, to say the least. It, it would be awesome if, if, they, if you could turn Homefront to an awesome game. Because, I mean, like, right now, Homefront is just like Modern Warfare 3 Jr. with Koreans. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? That's what it is. 
But it uh, was a real big letdown with that game, though. I mean, the multiplayer was really kind of fun. I mean, the only thing that really sucked was it seemed like the M16 was the best rifle to use, and you had to play in 40,000 gazillion levels to get to it, which I didn't have the patience for, but... Which uh, is probably like, why it was the best gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I picked it up off a dead kid, a dead soldier I took out one day, and after that I was like, oh, cool, I gotta get this gun. Then I saw what Lovey unlocked, and I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, see. But that's the good thing that came from this. Sucks for the devs, and I'm really like... I, I always hate seeing a dev studio close. Um, but, like, the fact that now that home front property is going to go to THQ Montreal, that's actually a pretty good thing. Yeah, you can you can move it where it needs to go to be a better game. Because that game, it had a lot of potential, but it, it got squandered. And, you know, how much of that fault is, you know, based on that studio, who knows, but you can only go off of what they put out, you know, the product that they made. So, unfortunately... <laughs> yeah, it kind of needed to go somewhere, even if they didn't close. But well, that was. game was a long time in the making. I think, well, oh, I don't remember when I first heard about it, maybe back in 08, 09, maybe. I kind of think that they were being pushed to get the product out, and they maybe rushed it to where it wasn't fully completed to what it should have been. Eh, maybe, but I mean, in the end, you got to deal with what you what you put out, which what right. they put out. Because I went in with low expectations, because I got a, I got to play it at PAX, it wasn't that huge of a disappointment. But for people who didn't even get a chance to play it at PAX, and like, oh my god, Homefront's coming out, awesome game, you know, defending the home, you know, the home front, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the homeland, it's gonna be cool, you know that. That that was a huge disappointment for people. Like I talked to one person, his biggest gripe was the fact that there were just certain parts of the game that you did not play. Like there was a what were they called? They called that that remote controlled car with the big guns on it, the mule or the Goliath. The Goliath. There you go. Yeah. Sorry, the mule was from Ghost Recon. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the Goliath. There were just certain parts of the game where I didn't have to do anything. Because the Goliath was out there, period. But then on the on the flip side of that, the thing I hated was like when the Goliath would be out there, just letting bullets fly, not hitting a single person. That those parts bother me because now, oh, you have to protect the Goliath from the RPGs. I'm like, doesn't that thing have two chain guns on it? Does <laughs> 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 it get it protect itself? I don't you know, know what part you're playing. I don't think I ever let that thing just go in free fire. You should just hey. Let it load it up, and just let it rip. Just let it go. Your enemies are are dust. <laughs> They're dust until somebody with an RPG comes onto the battlefield. At that point, it must get scared and then not be able to fight. You know, not be able to aim anymore. <laughs> like because when as soon as somebody with an RPG steps onto the battlefield, it's like protect the Goliath, and all you hear is you hear it firing all these bullets. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But hitting nothing. It's just it, firing them into the air. It's firing <laughs> bullets and nobody's dying. <laughs> you know? But other than that, when it's just regular soldiers, it'll rip through everybody, dude. You know? But, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't even know what I was talking about before that. Let's get out of here. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to some ridiculous news, because I think it's kind of ridiculous, but, you know, yeah. it's just me. Okay, so Nintendo has confirmed that the Wii U will not have a DVD or Blu-ray player. Have they not learned anything? Apparently they haven't. I mean, for real though. Like, seriously. Have you not learned anything? And on top of that, on top of that, like, 
don't don't Sega died a little over a decade ago. Actually, a, no, was it like two thousand and one? It was two thousand and one when Sega said we are no longer making systems. When did the PS three come out? In two thousand, right? So PS two, sorry, PS two came out in two thousand, right? Roughly, like in two thousand. I thought it was ninety nine. Like ninety nine. Thought... Like because I remember, like I don't know. I just I just happen to remember a lot of craziness in ninety nine. But maybe the Dreamcast came out in ninety nine. But I believe the PS two was two thousand. Uh, How do we not yeah, know this? October twenty sixth, <laughs> October twenty sixth, two thousand, roughly. Yeah, yeah, because the, the yeah, I knew the Dreamcast definitely came out in ninety nine, and the PS two came out shortly. Well, not shortly, but you know, about a year after that. The reason why the one of the biggest reasons why the Dreamcast died, especially like in Japan, was lack of DVD player. In a time when it was new to put a DVD player on a console, so lack of DVD player because what was happening in Japan is that people like they see they come to the store they see the two, Dreamcast, PlayStation Two, PlayStation Two has DVD player. Okay, I'll buy that one. Yep, because you're getting the DVD player for you know the price of well, kind of like what happened with PS3. You're getting a, a Blu-ray player, a DVD player, and a system for the price of what it would cost you to get a DVD player on its own. Yeah, pretty much. So, you know, that's what killed this the the Dreamcast. Which until that point, like Dreamcast, that was it. That that was the system. You know what I'm saying? Like it was the first out the gate. In terms of next generation graphics of that time, so that was that. It already had a library behind it. It had everything going for it, besides the fact that Sega was juggling a whole bunch of other systems. Like, did you know they were still supporting like 32x when yeah. Dreamcast came oh, out? Oh yeah, it was you know, but What's that was no chaotic. For the uh, Sega Saturn. <laughs> yeah, you know, they were still supporting that stuff, but that was like one of the stri- that was one of the major blows right there. So Nintendo has decided that it does not need to have DVD or Blu-ray playback because people already have those things. Okay, that's fine, but like, what about somebody who doesn't have one? They're trying to decide to pick up a system. Like a parent is like picking up picking up a system, right? Doesn't have a Blu-ray player yet, but has this nice TV. He wants to watch Blu-rays on it. If he had, if and he has a kid, he would have picked up a Wii beforehand. You know what I'm saying? He could have picked up a Wii and still been able to play those Blu-rays. But now, he's definitely going to pick up a PS3 because the PS3 is going to play his Blu-rays. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if my Wii... If my Wii... Actually, no, I can't even say that. I'm, I'm going to stop myself from lying right there. Because <laughs> Metal Gear does not exist on the Wii. So therefore, I still would have a PS3. So I, I was thinking for a second, but then I remember Metal Gear, and that's why I bought that <laughs> console. So... But um, for somebody who's a non-Metal Gear fan, <laughs> they can de- they, that can definitely easily be the case if they had a Blu-ray player inside the PS3. I believe. Hmm. But like, do you know? I just don't. I just don't understand. I guess maybe they're trying to keep costs down. Maybe that's the reason. You know, they did say that it was uh, you know. The cost behind it was, you know, substantial. It's still a Blu-ray, and maybe they're trying to keep the cost down. So I don't know. Maybe the the Wii U is going to be three hundred instead of four hundred because of that. And maybe, maybe hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe that's why, and that they think that's going to give them an edge that 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 they need. But I mean, keep in mind that I mean, you can get a 
you can't you get you get a 360 for like 170 something now, can't you? 179. Something I thought it went down. Silly. Yeah, something silly. I thought it was low. like 149, 139, 149. I guess yeah. it depends on what version of it you're getting to. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can get an Elite for 300. Right. Uh, you can get a tricked out PS3 for 300 as well. You know, or well, as tricked out as they come now since they've been nerfed so much. Yeah, everything's been nerfed. You know, prices. Yeah. <laughs> money, 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 money. Yeah, but still, I mean, now you have a new console coming onto market that can't play DVDs. I mean, at least play DVDs, but like you know, the can't play DVDs or Blu-rays versus two consoles that both can play DVDs. One can play Blu-ray, and they both have an amazing library behind them already. I mean, you can buy amazing titles for both both the Xbox and the PS3 for twenty bucks, thirty bucks. You can buy that stuff, as opposed to the Wii U, which is going to come out, and everything's brand new. So not only do you have a brand new console, you still have the the expensive fifty to sixty dollar games, and you can't play DVDs or Blu-ray. What is that, Nintendo? Really? Do I need to come over there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. Uh, <laughs> Somebody else talk. I'm getting upset. <laughs> I kind of thought that the you know, the DVD players and stuff like that were pretty standard nowadays. Like, how can you go back to not having that? It just makes me wonder what bass backwards, you know, proprietary thing they're going to try and put into it again. Like, is it going to be a mini disc player again or some, some crazy crap? Like, you're kind of gimping yourselves. Like, I mean, yes, they're saying that it's going to be the capacity of a Blu-ray, but it's... How well is it going to work? <laughs> you know, like, that's that's what I wonder. You know, what crazy, you know, restrictions are going to be in place on it? Because they're or, so scared of piracy. Because Nintendo's always been super, super scared of piracy. Do you think possibly, though, that they may be looking along the lines of uh, services as far as, like, watching DVDs and stuff like that are going more towards the lines of Netflix? Like, we know DVD stores, you know, blockbusters type things, those are going out of business now. And I was saying, oh, you know, I I don't think I would necessarily mind it too much as long as I could still have my Netflix. But yeah, but Nintendo and online, I mean, like, yeah, they're gonna have social media and stuff, but like, they're not really. I mean, like, could they have good, you know, a good online functionality where you can really have Netflix and not have it be the super gimpiest version of all three of them on the systems? You know, yeah, probably. You know, can you get Amazon streaming, you know, stuff like that? Because, I mean, Amazon Prime is going the route of Netflix now and has streaming movies and stuff like that. Um, you know, yeah. could it? Yes. But Nintendo's not got a great track record a great track record with that. I would say Sony or Microsoft would do, you know, a more robust, you know, media viewing experience online than Nintendo has the uh, the potential for because Nintendo's just never shown that they really care <laughs> or that they really 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 believe that you know online is like where it's at. Uh, that's that's what bothers I guess that's what bothers me about them not having, you know, kind of a standard format more so because it would be one thing if they were saying like, yeah, we're not going to have a standard format, but here's all what we're going to have as far as online functionality and here's full streaming Netflix that's, you know, actually high def and awesome and here's different services, here's Hulu or, you know, whatever. Right. But they haven't said that. Yeah. And they probably won't say that because <clears throat> they probably won't. 
at least that's how I look at it. Because <laughs> I just assume, my default is to assume that Nintendo just really won't take online that seriously. So if you're not going to take online that seriously, at least give somebody the capability to play their Blu-ray collection or, Blu- right. or DVD collection. You know, even if it's not Blu-ray, I get that because it's kind of a Sony thing. But like, at least DVD, you know, something. What Nintendo's failing is compatible. Even if you didn't use that as your main format, it's made it compatible. Yeah. Well, what Nintendo's failing to realize is that the game consoles are not just for video games anymore. They are complete media centers. I mean, when I come home, I turn on my 360, even if I'm not playing a game. You know what I'm saying? There's so much I could do. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll throw on Netflix. I could throw on Hulu. I can download a game. I could download a TV episode. Uh, I could play stuff from my PC. I can play a game, you know? Yeah, like, play music on it. You know, like, it, it, all sorts of crap, you the, know? The, the consoles are complete media centers, and they're not just for game playing anymore. And if my Wii maybe could do a bit more stuff, maybe you wouldn't just sit there and collect dust, you know? Because that's what it does until Zelda or Mario or something Exactly. I mean, the last game I actually played for my Wii was Sonic Colors, which was a good game, but... but that was the last time you hooked it up, and that was, what, November? And then exactly. what was the last time before that <laughs> you turned it on? Exactly. And then on top of that, like, sometimes I'll play stuff on my 360. Like I said, my 360 on already. I'll play stuff, you know, on my 360 just because, like, I'm, you know, it's on, I'm doing stuff, and then I, I, I pass by it in my... Uh, like in my library or something. I'm like, oh, okay. Like I started playing Aces of the Galaxy again because I was like flipping through my gallery, uh, my um, my gallery, but my uh, my library. library. Yeah, my game library. After I had downloaded a demo or something, and I saw it, there, I was like, oh yeah, Aces of the Galaxy, which I had already beat. I was like, let me, you know, let me play that again. And I started playing it, and I actually played it for like a, about an hour or two. You know, I had a good time, but um. Yeah, Nintendo, this is, they're, they're failing right now. Like, this Wii U launch thus far, all, everything about it has been poor. It's kind of been worse than Dreamcast. And that's saying a <laughs> lot. Because <laughs> Dreamcast was the most terribly marketed machine ever. I mean, yeah, it liked, it liked DVD, but it, at the time, it was it, it was ahead of its time. I mean, it was really poor marketing, and that's kind of where Wii U is going. You know, like, E3 was totally lackluster, and now, like, information is trickling out, but the information that's trickling out doesn't really, like, give me a whole heap of, you know, like, fuzzy feelings about the system. I mean, it's there was more hype, and I was more excited about Nintendo's new system before we actually heard from Nintendo about their new system. Exactly. When they had the leak, that was the most excited that I was. That's a problem. You know, like, I should be more excited now. And on the one hand, like, it's weird because you think that Nintendo recognizes that they need to, you know, kind of pick up on the online front and stuff, considering all of the capabilities of what basically amounts to like a tablet tied to a console for the controller. Right. You know, being able to move stuff from your from the tablet up to the TV and draw, you know, doodle stuff. It basically stuff you could do with an iPad except, you know, it's like an iPad that's hooked up to a monitor, you know. Right. And you would you think that they recognize the potential or what they should be doing and it just seems like they kind of ignore it. 
which is the frustrating thing about Nintendo because they sit on so much potential and then like they do some decent stuff with it, but they never really do anything that's so amazing that you're like, man, I need to play this all the time. I don't know. Yeah. So poor form Nintendo once again, but we're uh, <laughs> we're gonna get off of that. But more we knew we you news. Uh, well, it's not really news anymore, but we're gonna talk about it here. <laughs> um, so we got more information on the chipset inside of the Wii U in terms of the graphics, and we have found that it's using a last gen Radeon GPU, which for you console boys is actually still a good thing because uh, what that means is it's still going to be more powerful than a 360 and a PS3. Um, yeah, it uh, runs direct notice 10, and yeah. it's capable of four, you know, SD video streams. Then what the Xbox can only do DirectX 9. Yeah. And the PS3 uses, you know, something different, which I really don't even know what the capabilities of it are, the <laughs> OpenGL. But, I mean, so it's it's more powerful than those. Like, I guess my contention is... It's more powerful than those, but it's still using a last-gen, you know, chip. What's going to happen when Sony and Microsoft come out of the gate a year or more from now and say, like, here's our new consoles, and then they release them, you know, two years from now or whatever, and then they're pumping out even... Like, you're kind of already dating yourself. I mean, like, you're always going to do that, but, like, I would have thought that it would have been slightly more advanced than it is. Like that's I don't know just that's my thought. They should have had something that can at least run DirectX 11 at the very least. Right, that's that's my problem. It's like yeah, it's more powerful, but for how long? Like, Limiting their system way too much. It's yeah. gonna get outdated so quickly by the next gen systems. But didn't uh, Xbox 360 just or Microsoft say that the 360 is only halfway through its life? They did, but like the thing about that is that, and we were talking about this before pre-show, actually before you got on is that you can say that a lifespan for a console is, say, 10 years, but that doesn't mean that's the only console you're going to see in those 10 years. Right. You know, you say five more years for 360 being around, that doesn't mean that you're not going to... It would be ridiculous if you didn't see another Microsoft console until 2016. I That number even just blows my mind even thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... That definitely means probably when you're looking at three years out from the console being done that your other system should be out at that point. You want some kind of overlap, and I feel like that's what's going to happen. So them being halfway through, that puts it right. That's just about right. I think that you see them announce new consoles next year, and then the year after yep. you you see those systems, and then the other the the older systems still have a few years left in the tank. So you're still dating yourself because I mean you got okay you have two years. Being nice, if they don't if they don't push their timetables up to like next, you know, Christmas or something along those lines, um, or even you know next uh, or the the next spring, um, it, you have two years where you're uncontested, but that's still not really great when right. you consider that, like they're going to come out and like not only and that's just two more years. That's another. That's just more time where they can put more into their system. So then, all of a sudden, you're looking down the barrel of some like of two con two consoles that blow the doors off of yours, and then you're and then you're right back at square one where it's innovative, but it's not really, you know, it's not really the the great like an awesome thing for a core audience because it doesn't really you know do what it should, kind of. 
Yeah, right. I mean, DirectX 11 was new last year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it was new last year, and like early part of last year. Like, come on now, like we now DirectX 11. Even though I'm not, there's not, it's not like every game coming out has DirectX 11 on PC. That is, I'm talking about. But still, like when I hear a game has DirectX 11 support, I'm like, okay, it should. <laughs> you know. All right, at this point, you know, from, like, at this point now, yeah, they should or at least have a compatibility with it. Even if you still, you can use DirectX 10, you have the ability to use 11. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, that's just, uh, like, they're really setting themselves up for failure, if you ask me. Like, they came out the gate, controller, con- controller, 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 hasn't, haven't even shown the graphics yet. In my opinion, they should not have even shown the system until they were ready to show the graphics. Yeah, which kind of also brings a point, like, if you really are going to settle and say, like, this is our, you know, this is our our set, well, that's cool, because, you know, at one point, at some point you have to solidify things, but why not put a more advanced graphics card in it, because it's not like developers had it in their hands yet, because nobody made anything, (laughs) like, nobody had anything to really show for it, so put something more advanced into it, like, you still have time to get it into their hands to have them make stuff anyway. It's the same. You're literally in the same position, at least. But at least you'd be a little bit more ahead of the game, you know, as far yeah, as I, so. the way I look at it. So yeah, Nintendo. Once again, you're really not doing a good job here. Like usually, I'm like I'm I'm usually happy with Nintendo. I'm all about them. Want to you know see them succeed and everything. But they they're just doing a bad job. Like you, on average, is I get every Nintendo console the day it comes out. You know what I'm saying? And I am not planning to get a Wii U the day it comes out so far. <laughs> yeah, it, honestly, like I said, when the leak happened, it was totally like, alright, cool, like, the, I might have a reason to get a Wii and really play it, you know, or a Nintendo system and really play it again. That was my thought until they actually unveiled it. And then I lost all interest. I have no, like, I don't even, not only, like, not getting it when it comes out, but may not get it at all. Yeah. Because I may not waste my time. That's how I feel about it. That's that's a problem. <laughs> exactly. Especially, like, if they, if they let's say, eat next E3 rolls around, they're going to show more stuff. They're finally going to show the graphics and everything. By that time, they should have. If Microsoft or Sony drops a bomb, like, oh, yeah, PS4 2013. Guess who's not getting a Wii U? Yeah. This, this guy. <laughs> Really not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and even if and even if they don't drop that bomb, I could put that money towards other games or towards games for my Vita that I'm going to have, or you know whatever the case may be. That is true. I could find some other place to use that money than on a Wii system that's gonna be outclassed. Going to be outclassed. Like there's, it's not even in question that like another system's gonna come out and it's gonna be kind of equal with the Wii U. Like. It's you definitely you put yourself in the position where you are definitely going to get outclassed when the next thing comes out. Yeah, pretty much. That sucks. And unless you're planning on having like a four, maybe five year lifespan, and then doing it again, like making another new system, like you're out. I mean, you'd have to have make make it like a four year lifespan. If that like the whole five year six year thing, it's too long to have a, a console that's, that's that's true that's that underpowered like it's you're just leaning on the same situation that you had before you're leaning on it being innovative and people that trumping you know that core audience but that you're not going to have your core audience with that because the core audience is looking for you know 
and East. <laughs> yeah, we got to be honest for a second. Like the gimmick of motion gaming is is dying down. I mean, look at the move. Like I, I personally like I like the move better than the Wii, but the reason Still. why it's not successful as the Connect is because it doesn't have that new gimmick. Like that that motion gaming gimmick was done already. The reason the Connect is flourishing, even as much as it has. It has is because oh now we don't have to use any controller, which is just another gimmick. And so <laughs> that wears off too, which it largely already has. Yeah, yeah. pretty much so. Because how bored was everybody during Microsoft's press conference, even though it was all about their gimmick? Exactly. <laughs> worst press conference. <laughs> Not gonna say ever. The worst press conference I've ever seen was Sony. About... Huh? Sony. I thought the Sony press conference this year was kind of dull. Oh, no, I'm talking about worst press conference ever. Like, <laughs> the worst press conference I've ever seen was Activision 2007, Jamie Kennedy. That is rough. That's funny that you mentioned that, not to get completely off topic. But, you know, Michael Pachter, that the analyst that talks about games so much and is always yeah. doing interviews? Yeah. He got into a fight, him and Gary Whitta, who used to be the editor for, uh, oh, God. PC PC online maybe uh, I forget what the name of the magazine was but he was the like the editor in chief for that he wrote the book of Eli like he he's isn't he's not an editor anymore but he's now he just works you know screenwriting that stuff he wrote book of Eli right awesome by the way yeah um, Michael Pachter and him having a conversation on Twitter as far as like Michael Pachter going Mr Caffeine has got to be the worst. You know, E3 presenter <laughs> that I've ever seen, and uh, Gary Wood chimes in and goes, you know, at replies him and says, you know, worse than the 2007, you know, Jamie Kennedy train wreck from Activision, <laughs> and uh, and you know, Pachter basically says like, you know, like yeah, pretty much like it's it was worse than that. Jamie Kennedy comes out of nowhere on Twitter. <laughs> Like, oh, you nerds can't let that go. You're like, you, you like, turn into a Twitter fight. <laughs> two guys in the game industry, and well, not even just in the game industry, but just in, you know, industry in general, against like a B-list celebrity. It was kind of epic, actually. Um, <laughs> I, really, like, I, somebody else <clears throat> noticed it, and then I went and looked through the timeline, and I was like, wow, this is great. And like, it turned into Jamie Kennedy, like who could barely use the English language, which was weird. Um, I, I really was hoping that he was high or drunk or something. Like, I really just think that he was on drugs the same way that he looks like he was on drugs during that 2007 press conference. Um, like, I guess he's still using the same good stuff. I have no idea. But, like, he barely had command of the English language and, like, was just, like, attacking anybody that said anything about him. Um, like, not even really, like, saying like oh Jimmy Kennedy is like a terrible comedian or he's terrible just that that instance was really bad <laughs> yeah yeah um and Pachter like responds to him the first time saying like you know no I don't assume to know you know well actually Jamie Kennedy not only says like oh you can't let that go but he says you don't know what happened you don't have any idea because you guys aren't in the industry Assuming that like there was some kind of crazy behind the scenes reason why his press conference sucked balls, <laughs> besides him being terrible at it, uh, right? You know, like 
it was just bad, dude. Like you obviously don't have any love of video games. You don't care. You're just you're just there collecting a paycheck. That happens, whatever. But don't sit there and defend it and say that you know you there was some some secret reason why you <laughs> you did so poorly that somebody else was involved. And then he you know goes on to say you know you're not in the biz. I bet Bobby doesn't even know who you are. And Michael Pachter's like, I'm pretty sure Bobby Kotick knows why. <laughs> it just turned into this amazing argument. And then, you know, it's Twitter. So other people who are, you know, on timelines or follow both people or, or whoever notice these things and they chime in. And uh, Jamie Kennedy is literally lashing out at anybody who says anything in regards to the conversation. Like, this girl who I guess, like, is like a, a, like a pretty, like heavy commenter on Kotaku like posted something but she doesn't have like a Twitter picture for whatever reason I don't know you know some people don't whatever um and Jamie Kennedy is like oh you don't have a Twitter pic you must be fat ho like <laughs> like <laughs> just l- lashing out at like the basest possible way like somebody else replies and they do have a picture and it's a, it's a chick and he's like you know I, I wish I had it verbatim right now because it was just so good um it, like it, <laughs> he he basically like said that, you know, she was, like, a cheap slut or something, <laughs> like, you know, a fat hoe. Um, oh, man, where is it? Oh, here it is. Uh, the one who who didn't have a picture. No picture for your Twitter. You must be a lard ass. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> And then another response to the other girl, uh, oh, little feeling hurt, bitch, you're served, go get my dry cleaning, strippers make more than you and are hotter, XO Jamie's mom. (laughs) (laughs) And then somebody else, he just threatened to kill them, he said, I'll kill you. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I mean, like, this went on for a little bit, too, but, like, it eventually ended when, you know, the other people decided they had something better to do with their lives, and, you know, they went on to something um, one of the guys from Kotaku actually offered to um, to let them settle it like in like an actual roundtable discussion, and <laughs> Kennedy was basically like, "Oh, I can do that when I finish uh, when I finish wrapping my movies. These guys will probably be jerking off to Zelda or something because that's what nerds do." Like movies. <laughs> Yeah, like, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like. Oh, man. So, it's, it was special. But that's just a total... Just a, Sorry, that was just a total aside, but I had to get that out because, I mean, that was... <laughs> it was pretty epic to read that. Like, I almost... Like, it, it was, like, 3 in the morning when I saw this, and I really, at the time, like, almost for, for a go... Like, just totally passed on sleep just to write something for the site, but I was like, you know what? It really isn't that important. <laughs> I think people will live without knowing it. But, um, yeah. So, hooray. For, <laughs> for really terrible press conferences. Because I don't know if that was the worst. Because Mr. Caffeine was definitely the worst. But still, at the same time, Ubisoft's press conference wasn't the worst. So Yeah, he was bad. Like Mr. Caffeine himself was bad. But... Jamie Kennedy killed the the Activision press conference. Yeah, like that was something that had to be like there were developers that came up and talked to Kennedy that had better jokes than he did. Yeah. I mean like from the get go, like it wasn't like Jamie Kennedy had the audience and then like lost them. Like he just never had them. 
Like, I mean, he came out and cracked like two bad jokes, and like, I he had like one guy in the crowd laugh, and he's like, Yeah, yeah, see, it's getting around. <laughs> it's like, No, it's not. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty bad. That was yeah. a pretty bad press conference. I would say that that probably is still the worst actual press conference because he ruined their press conference. Not only just he was bad, but he ruined it. Mr. Caffeine was just a localized black hole of terrible but he didn't ruin the entire ubisoft press conference yeah so, yeah there's been some bad ones this year wasn't that didn't match up to that kind of terribleness but microsoft tried they they tried <laughs> yeah, they tried but they, they've got a long way to go on the terrible scale yeah um let's move to our last topic though um this topic is regarding Battlefield 3, uh, the pre-order controversy. Um, for those who don't know, actually I kind of mentioned developers or publishers taking finished games and chopping it up for DLC. And that's uh-huh. um. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, EA has done to Battlefield. Uh, that Back to Carlin pack, or Matt pack, that was talked about originally... Yeah, car can, whatever. Sorry, it's it's late. Okay. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> level is too high. Yes, anyway. <laughs> See, it is late. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Look at that. Basically, they took that, uh... That, that map pack, and now it's going to be DLC. They also took uh, some weapons... And made that DLC only. Uh, the thing that made it makes it even worse is now it's a pre-order DLC. Uh, and originally, well, the map pack we knew. Like, well, as soon as I heard that the map pack was going to be pre-order DLC, I knew that um, that meant that meant that people who pre-ordered it would get it for free, and everybody else would pay for it later. That's not really cool, but you know, Call of Duty's been doing it. Can't say I didn't really expect it, or you know, I should say I'm not surprised. Didn't expect it, but I'm not surprised because I don't think I paid it. The only DLC I paid for, actually, it's not even DLC that I paid for in Battlefield. But the only thing I paid for in Battlefield was Battlefield: Bad Company to Vietnam. Right, which was an expansion, not yeah. really just a DLC map pack or anything. Along those exactly. Um, now the thing with the weapons, there was some confusion about that because originally they made it seem like from day one. Um, these people would have these weapons. Whoever pre-ordered would have these weapons, and nobody else would. Actually, I think that's still happening. <laughs> be honest with you, you still. They yeah, still eventually I think that's going to get around to everybody else. Eventually, it is. Date, right. Which, it's it's basically like what they honestly like. I don't know. Like it, to me, it just seems like people have a short memory because they they pretty much did the same thing with Battlefield Bad Company too. I mean, they had you know early web early access to weapons and oh, like boy. item bonuses and stuff and like I know it didn't really go over well then either but it wasn't game breaking right. I I don't like I I guess I don't really see like I see what the issue is because they just shouldn't be doing it but I know why they do it because they want people to you know go in and pre-order because that that gives them an idea of how much they're really going to sell and it gives people an incentive to go in the store and pick it up you know rather than just waiting you know, so I guess I get it, but at the same time, no, they shouldn't be splitting the stuff up in the DLC because just put it in freaking game. <laughs> well, the, um, Dice is saying that there's no advantage for the items in the pre-order DLC. However, I would call a flash suppressor 
a pretty a decent advantage. That's the one that I keep hearing, and I'm like, that is actually, like, that's kind of a big deal. That is a big deal. Well, they're putting the flash suppressor only on the SKS uh, sniper rifle, which, let's face it, that's a sissy rifle anyway. I'm going to use a 50 cal. I don't really care. But That's uh, not true. That's not true. A lot of people use the other sniper rifles. Not everybody uses a 50 cal. Well, manly, you like the fifty cal. <laughs> I know because when I hear when I when I play with you, all I hear is that thing going off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Great sound, man. I, I I know. Yeah, it does have an awesome sound. But like, for example, like I don't use the fifty cal personally. I, I just I just don't. I use, actually I can't, I can't remember which sniper rifle I use, but it's not the fifty Gull. cal. Uh, maybe. I need to actually oh. put, I need to actually play the multiplayer so I can see what sniper rifle we use, but I know it's not the fifty cal for sure. Uh one thing to point out too real quick was that you were talking about the uh the extra content that they brought up for Bad Company Two. They didn't actually sell anything or it didn't have anything to do with Preodor. Uh the extra rifles you got in the beginning were the Thompson and the M one Garand. And those were actually if you were already a Battlefield veteran, like if you had played the original Battlefield two in nineteen forty two and so forth. If you had those things, or if you had a certain level, then you got that stuff unlocked. Well, there were certain guns that were unlocked because of the pre-order. And yeah, the, they, but the, not the, all of them. Yeah, certain ones were through the gun club. Um, certain right. things were... Well, actually, I, I guess that was Medal of Honor more so than Bad Company 2 with the gun club because it didn't get instituted until after Bad Company. But, I mean, they, they had the, the bonuses for having previously played games, but they did have DLC guns as well that were available. And they weren't guns that just weren't available to anybody else. It's just that you got them unlocked earlier. That yeah. was the only difference. But, yeah, that's the difference here. Like, with that, you had to get to that level to unlock those guns. With this, the problem is that the guns aren't there for right. you to unlock until the DLC comes out. That's the thing. The guns are just not right. there. You do you because not that you can't unlock them. Because that's one thing. I'm like, okay, you pre-order and you get the guns unlocked automatically. That's great. But when you say the guns aren't there, so this person has certain guns that I don't have, which a flash suppressor is going to give to give you a. Uh, an advantage. Yeah, even if the gun is more, even if the sniper rifle is more sissy, if you can't find the dude, that's still a problem. <laughs> because a bullet, to, a bullet to the head is a bullet to the head. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, and even like, I think like the Type 88 LMG mm. uh, is uh, is one of the items. Personally, like I've devastated teams with the Type 88 before, unless it's going to be that different. Which I don't mm-hmm. imagine it's going to be. You know what I'm saying? Right. The type. Well, I, I, I want to say that uh, one of the things they're showing is that I was kind of happy to see that they were bringing back the DAO, uh, the DAO 12 from Battlefield 2. I'm I'm kind of hoping that they keep the unlock system small in this game, like they did in the original Battlefield 2. Like, there's a myriad of things that I'm very very elated to know, you know that they're going back to, but like. If it's like one extra machine gun, like a Type 88, I'm not really too concerned, you know, with something like that. I mean, I'm not even really worried about this download thing. I, I'll i be able to, you know, keep it all to skill as opposed to extra items. But eh, I I just don't see what the big deal is with everybody complaining about it. I okay. mean, we're going to get it eventually, so. The thing is, because, well, okay, well, first of all, any good player will be able to adjust. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, right. oh, my God, you're giving me... Th- 
you give him that big an advantage over me, the right. gameplay is going to suck for me. It's like, no, because I'll be able to adjust. I'll be able to use what I got and adjust to what I have. The problem, the, the, the thing is, like, they're taking the full experience and chopping it up and, right. pe- and, and using it as bait in different areas. That's what is pissing people off. That's what's pissing me off. So I, I, I don't think it's going to affect my gameplay that much. You know, who knows? The the Flash Suppressor DLC may be one of the most controversial things that happens after the game comes out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But um, in terms of, like, them, like, you, you know, you're already paying 60 bucks for the game. You know, 60 bucks is what you should... You should get a full experience. And right. DLC should be on top of that. Don't... Don't have... Don't, don't chop it up. And then, you know... Um, say okay well you're gonna pay 60 bucks for this portion and then if you want the rest of the game you pay that that's the problem i have with the way dlc is handled when dlc was first coming out or first becoming popular it was okay you have your core game this is your core game and here is the you know now here's extra for example like with assassin's creed and assassin's creed you know assassin's creed 2 and assassin's creed brotherhood you have the core game which i don't feel cheated at all in those core games and then you have dlc that adds extra layers to it you know mm-hmm. this is a different story like you know they're taking stuff that was supposed to be in the game and now they're going to they're going to give it to you later like it's like it's a bonus when it was supposed to be a part of the original and that's the problem like well, what i was saying before like with a lot of dlc that's coming out you know you get you get a game that comes out and then two weeks later, you have DLC for it. Like, what is that? Right. Obviously, it was ready to go with the game, you know? So, yeah, that's... I think that... It not, it's not just a problem with Battlefield. It's a problem with the way the industry is handling DLC right now. They're basically siphoning more money out of you. Because by the yeah, time... The, by just... time... Yeah. By the time this gets done, like, you're paying at least 75 bucks for this game. Because are you really not going to get the physical warfare... Um, DLC or whatever they call it when everybody else gets it? Are you really not going to buy that? Uh, One thing I noticed, I think I read on one of the newer articles here, they were going and saying uh, the download content for the Back to Karkin map pack, we thought that was going to drop on the day that Battlefield dropped. Now they're saying they're doing that at a later date as part of another... I mean, I could be reading the article incorrectly, but... Yeah, they haven't announced the date that they're actually going to release it. But the thing is, like, the Back to Carcan map pack is going to be available at the same time for everybody. Right. So that's a different story. Just say, if you pre-order the deal, if you pre-order the game, you get it for free. I have no problem with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I have no problem with that. Because obviously, map, like, a map pack that has old maps, that's something that's an add-on or additional to the game. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if they release the game on, like, let's say October, whatever, and then two weeks later release DLC with maps, that would piss me off. If that makes any sense. Right. No, I understand. So, uh, that's just, uh, this is, um, and Val, not Valve, God, uh, DICE is usually, well, DICE is still pretty uh, fan-friendly. And I think this is more of EA's doing. It sounds like an EA move. You know, but but still, it, it it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. You know, what else am I going to say? Like, it sucks that this is happening, and this is the, 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 the turn that our industry is going in. Yeah, and it's, it's just the road. Like, it's funny because there's a lot of outcry about it, but 
it's it's the way that it's been and it's, it's going to continue happen. as long as yeah as long as we let it happen if you you know unanimously just unanimously don't buy into it and just stop pre-ordering it and then just go in and pick up the freaking game then they'll stop doing it because obviously it doesn't work but it does work because people the same people that are going to sit there and complain that you know all <laughs> oh, this sucks and this, this yep. is crap or the same people are going to go well I might as well go gotta, run out and pre-order yeah, it because I need to get that it. stuff like exactly rather than either toughing it out or just saying I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and not buy it there because that's stupid you know mm-hmm. unfortunately that's the way it is because people will buy into it you can't tell me that if you know there was a special, you know, DLC weapon or something for Modern Warfare 3 that at, you know, GameStop versus somewhere else, the GameStop wouldn't get all those pre-orders. You know, they would. Because they, we, we as gamers, you know, like, we buy into that crap. You know, the same way that people are going to buy, you know, a certain, ver- you know, go pre-order Batman Arkham, or Arkham City somewhere so they can play as Robin, you know. Even though it's only for like a a little bit beforehand, or you know whatever the case is, we buy another crap, so they keep doing it. <laughs> we complain about it, but we still go. And we do still it anyway. go and do it. Yep. We, <laughs> at the end of the day, we we complain, we complain, we complain, but we don't do the only thing that's better than complaining, which is putting our money where our mouth is. So then, you know, we're stuck with the same thing. Oh, modern warfare and dedicated servers. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if I was going to blame anybody for the current state of the industry, it's you people who bought Modern Warfare 2 <laughs> and Black Ops. <laughs> I only bought uh, Black Ops so that I could actually tear it apart during the podcast, which <laughs> we succeeded in doing, so it's not uh, my that's fault. That's why I said about Homefront. I was like, yeah, at least I had an excuse for buying Homefront now. I had to cover it for the website. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like, yeah, the people who complain about... I do hear a lot of people complain about Modern Warfare... Or Call of Duty in general, and the direction it's going. But those are the same people who are going to be playing Call of, you know, Modern Warfare Three when it comes out in November. So oh, I'm officially done with that shit, man. Battlefield Three. Oh boy. Uh, let's hope they don't they don't they don't go all Activision on you. <laughs> well, we're still getting dedicated servers. Medics are going back to assault rifles. Prone is coming back. We're getting jets. Our 64 player maps. Got the amazing graphics engine for it. I mean, I can see some of the, uh, in the multiplayer video there that we saw, some of the knife takedowns, those looked a little Call of Duty-ish. But still, overall, I'm I'm not even concerned at all for this game. I think it's going to raise everything up, not even to the next bar, it's going to raise it up to the bar after that bar after that bar. <laughs> it would only do that if they had the moral decisions of Rainbow Six. Like you know, if you if you're able if you're able to strap some bombs onto an enemy, you know, then you're talking to your partner like, dude, I can't get the bomb off. And he's like, just throw me over. <laughs> you know. Well, you maybe. know, in Battlefield Two, you could do that. You could strap C. You could uh, throw C4 on somebody who's running by you in the original Battlefield Two. Yeah, I'm talking about actually made to do it though. <laughs> you know, like you guys are sitting there crying, like tell my wife I love her. <laughs> you know, so stuff like that. But um. I mean, I guess uh, you bring up a good point. You have to weigh, is it worth it? Like, you know, all the positives versus the negative, you know. I think they're trying to weigh in, too, possibly on the the fan base of it, too. Like I I said, Battlefield games were the first first first-person shooters I played on a PC. Well, yeah, before Counter-Strike, before I even got into Counter-Strike, before I got into uh, 
COD United Offensive, which was way more fun than COD 2. But, you know, before I even got all that, man, I was I a should slap player. You. I should just reach across the internet and slap <laughs> your face. <laughs> Well, go ahead. Defensive, man. I got some good It was good, but it, Call of Duty 2, best well, one. Okay, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, Call of Duty 2 is fun. I just, I think I just have more fonder memories of United Offensive, but uh, yeah. I digress. Yeah, go you ahead. You know, like the Battlefield system, I'm going to be playing the Battlefield. I don't mind spending that little extra money to get something cool out of the Battlefield games that I played so much for the past, I don't know how many years now. So, I mean, I'm willing to pay that little bit extra money. It's not as, as long as it's not outrageous, I guess is what I should say. Mm, yeah, if it's like five ninety nine for something extra, like uh, Bad Company 2, I recently bought about a couple months ago the download content they offered for that, which was a uh, special forces thing where you got different looks and you got an extra set of kits, extra weapons and such, and it only cost five ninety nine. That wasn't a big deal to me. Yeah, you know, cool. That's something I'm willing to do. But that's extra. You know what I'm saying? That wasn't right. that. My thing is like I don't mind buying DLC as long as it's extra. But when they take stuff that's was supposed to be a part of the game and then try to make it seem like, oh yeah, buy this too. Like no, you should have put it in my sixty dollar package. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, that's right. my gripe. You know, that, that's my gripe about it. Like back to car cam map pack. Okay, that's great. Wouldn't mind buying that. However, I don't like weapons that I feel should have been a part of the game in the first place. Like since when, Oh, I guess since now the type 88 is not, a, is not a, a standard weapon, you know, in a battlefield game. So, right. You know, it's just, I won't complain too much about not having it as long as they take those damn shotgun shells out of the game. Holy shit. Yeah. You're going to be seeing a lot of that, but oh, yeah, man. that, that <laughs> noob tubing is probably worse on consoles than it is PC. So count your right. blessings. I, actually, I, I'm sure it is. Yeah, it is. I, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I don't know, you know, man. Noob tubes aren't really that that big of a thing anymore, man. It's all those Gustavers now. Oh, the Carl Gustav, yeah. Gustavs. Oh, I man. hate those guys. I hope they <laughs> die in car accidents. I, 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 <laughs> I hate people. Oh, it is late. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really hate people who use the Carl Gustav as like as like an assault weapon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh my god. They'll shoot me when I'm a sniper and my back is turned to them. I ran into the room and they'll just shoot me with a Gustav. I'm like, really, man? Yeah. Really? Yeah, like exactly. Like, people just running around with rocket launchers, like walking to a closed room and just fire it. Like, I, I hate you. I hate you. But, but uh, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, let's 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 uh, wrap this up here. Um, because I think we've said all we had to say about the Battlefield pre-order controversy, which is almost a moot point because they're going to go through with it. I don't think there's going to be like, like you know, I don't think there's going to be that uh, a changed mind over at EA. I think this is what's set and this is what they're going to do. And the only way you're going to show them that this was a bad idea is not buying it. But in all honesty, people are going to buy it and it's going to continue for now. Until until we hit, we, at some point we have to hit a tipping point. You know what I'm saying? I guess when people realize that they're spending seventy five, ninety, hundred dollars a game, you know what yeah. I'm saying? That's yeah. when people might actually start going, "Oh, wait a minute," you know. So yeah. we'll see. But um, yeah, that was that was our last topic for this podcast. Um, in the next two weeks, let's see what we got coming out. Uh. Alright, so we got Gundam War uh Dynasty Warriors Gundam three. 
which actually looks kind of cool, but the problem with Dynasty Warriors, it's always the same game no matter how it looks. So you got that. Um, Sniper Ghost Warrior for PS3. We have a review on the site for the PC version. It was alright. Um, other than that, the only other thing I see here is like, unless you like UFC, uh, there's like the UFC Personal Trainer, there's Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition, as well for you Street Fighter Fanatics, and then Earth Defense Force Insect Armageddon for the 360. So, it's going to be dry for a little bit, people. <laughs> Until like, you know, <laughs> September-ish, I would assume. It's going to be a little dry. Well, well, <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about for like AAA releases. I mean, you do have yeah. some of Arcade coming up, which we talked about that last time. Even that's a bit lackluster besides like maybe From Dust. Definitely Bastion is one to look out for um, in the next in the upcoming weeks. Stay away from Fruit Ninja Connect. That should have been replaced <laughs> with another game. Like um, Trench just came out. They could have replaced it with that. Uh, Miss Explosion Man comes out uh, July 13th. They could have replaced it with that. So, I don't, you know, whatever. You do whatever you want to do, Microsoft. Fruit Ninja <laughs> Connect. That's hurting my feelings right there. Because somebody else got took that spot. But uh, that's what's coming out. But that's going to wrap us up here. Um, you know, uh, check us out on Facebook, uh, which is facebook.com slash match those buttons. You can check us out on uh, Twitter, which is twitter.com slash MTB site. Uh, you can check us out on SoundCloud, which you may be listening to right now, which is ma- uh, soundcloud.com slash match those buttons. And always, you know, match those buttons.com. Uh, you know, you can comment or, uh, you know, whether you like us or not, love us, hate us, you know that whole thing. <laughs> so, yeah, just, uh, you know, check us out on the website, and I uh, guess you guys have a good night. Say bye, guys. Take bye, guys. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Later.